ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 30 of the Red Light Hockey Podcast. We've got myself, Liam. We've got Paul with us. We've got Chad, as known new nickname in our group chat is West Coast Customs. We got our newest host of the crew, Brent Clemmer. And last but not least, we got a special guest host. We got Clark or producer Clark. He hosts the <clears throat> correction, he, pr- he produces the Rod Peterson show, and he hosts the squad cast, and he used to work for the Regina Pats, so he's going to be a little bit of a WHL insider. How is everybody doing today? We'll start with Paul. How are you, how are you doing? How's your week? Good. How about you? I am fantastic. Chad, how was your week? Pretty good. Pretty good. All sports are in full swing. It's a yeah. good time to be a sports fan. Exactly. And Brent, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, and uh, great over here. Nothing yep. major going on this week. Awesome, awesome. And last but not least, Clark, how are you doing? And welcome to the Red Light Hockey Podcast. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, gents. No problem. We're really happy to have you. Uh, before we get started, do you want to kind of tell our listeners about your shows and all that stuff? Or Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, um, I'm the producer of a show called The Rod Peterson Show. We're a daily sports talk show. Uh, and we just a couple months ago got on the national television. So I do that during the day. And then every Tuesday night, I host my own sports show called the Squadcast with my buddy, Max. Uh, Max was an intern with us at the, at the Rod Peterson show. Uh, and he convinced me that we had enough time on our hands to do our own show. So uh, blame Max, but uh, that's why we have the Squadcast and uh, we have guests on every week uh, and we just have a, a good chat. We talk baseball, hockey, football, whatever's kind of topical at the, at the moment, but uh, we have a good time with it. And uh, yeah. This is uh, exciting to have have me on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem, no problem at all. Uh, first of all, I would like to mention to our listeners because this is obviously a podcast. It's audio. Um, you probably have the worst hat in all sports on right now because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I see all the other colors around here. I had to balance it out a little bit. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. And again, for the listeners, I'm wearing a Montreal hat. Uh, Clark's wearing a Leafs hat. So that's kind of yeah. Why I was poking fun at him. Uh, the Leafs have been scaring me of how much better they've been getting this year. As much as I hate to say that as a Habs fan, they are looking good. Um, so yeah, there's been a couple of trades recently. Uh, Paul, he's our trade guru guy. So do you kind of want to go into the trades here? We can talk about some. Uh, sure. When you want to start uh, just this month? No, let's just go to this week. Cause kind of, we can go this week, see what's most recent this go from week. there. Uh, we'll go with the Palmieri one first. Palmieri, Zajac. Let's break this one down. Uh, sorry. No worries. I'll pull it up right here. So what was it? Palmieri and Zajac went to the Islanders. And yeah, New Jersey retained 50% of both of their contracts. Um, really yeah. weird move that they would retain 50% on both being as you can only retain, I believe it's three on three contracts. So that takes away two spots, but yeah. uh, they, I don't know. I just find that weird. And then the Devils got AJ Greer, Mason Yost, a first round pick for 2021 and a conditional fourth. And the condition on that fourth is the Islanders have to advance to the Stanley Cup final. And the fourth round pick gets upgraded to a third round in 2022 or 2023. Um, yeah, so first of all, Chad, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make a ton of sense to me. 
terms of why they would retain so much salary, but I guess the Devils aren't in any position to compete anytime soon. So I understand, you know, you can, when you're bad, you got to take on bad contracts, get draft picks and kind of stockpile. Um, first rounder doesn't really mean much. I mean, the Islanders are good. So you're going to get a, a, an extra pick in the twenties, but yeah, I mean, they got, I mean, somewhat of a bright future. You have here. Her- sure. I can never pronounce his name. Nico Hesher. Hesher and uh, Hughes. So you got something to build around. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not going to be good for a while. So uh, th- I don't think this, this trade will matter much. Yeah. And then the Islanders side of it. I don't know where P- Zajac plays. Uh, is in the third line, fourth line. I, yeah, I, I can't see him. Oh, Paul's Paul saying fourth line. Uh, yeah. Uh, Clark, what do you think of the trade? Yeah. I, I was a little blown away when I saw that, you know, Kyle Palmieri was one of the guys who was probably top five on most people's trade boards. And for them to retain half on both him and Zajac, uh, to me kind of set the rest of the tone for the rest of the market. Cause then uh, we'll get into it. I'm sure in a sec, but like, you know, you saw a Buffalo swap Brandon Montour for what I thought was pretty, a pretty low price. Well, again, we'll get into that in a minute, but what, I, what I'm seeing this year is that a lot of teams seem to be selling low on a lot of their guys. So it's a buyer's market. And that just I'm, just the next 24 hours from here on is going to be pretty nuts to see, you know, how undervalued some of these guys are going to be. Because in a normal year, you're not seeing double retention on Palmieri uh, to just to get him out of town to get a first round pick and a bunch of C plus B minus, you know, assets. Uh, it, it was it kind of blew me away a little bit. And uh, I'll just be very curious to see how that kind of affects every trade from here on out because everybody's going to use it as a reference now, I would think. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that fully. I mean, uh, and also, where do you see Palmer even playing on the Islanders? I, I guess he is a very responsible defensive guy, so I guess he would fit in, uh, in that trot system, but I, I don't know where he fits. Is he playing on the second line? I'm pretty sure he's jumping right into where Anders Lee was uh, yeah. on that line. Uh, you know, basically with Lee out now for the rest of the year, I think they're just basically swapping him in. And I, I don't think he would miss a beat. Uh, I would compare him and Anders Lee pretty good. Maybe they're a little bit different player, but I think they can serve the same purpose. So uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's a great trade. And, you know, you know, Lou loves his devils. Uh, and I think he actually drafted Zajac way back in the day. So he, I think he loves him some Zajac. Uh, so I would say he, he he fits in in that fourth line penalty kill type of guy, uh, and they fit right into you know exactly what you said how how the Devils like to play or how the Islanders like to play. So uh, I think it should be a good move. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Brent, do you have anything to add on that? Not really. I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Perfect. Um, moving along in the trades, there was that Florida and Chicago weird trade <laughs> that occurred. I believe it was. Uh, Panthers got Lucas Wall, Walmart, Lucas Carlson. A lot of Lucas is going to Florida. And the Blackhawks got Brent Conley, uh, the rights to Henrik Bjorkstrom or Borgstrom, Riley Stillman, and a seventh round pick. Um, I'm, I don't know who won that trade. It's a weird trade all around. Uh, first off, we'll start off with Brent. What, do you th- what are your thoughts on it? Honestly, on that one, um... I don't want to get into that one too much. I, I don't I, I don't think a whole lot of it personally. Just a lot of money being moved around kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chad, what are your thoughts on it? It's just cap. The the cap this year is gonna mess everything up. You can go on long term IR. There's a lot of things that 
haven't really been a factor before. So kind of, I don't see it being a big thing. I mean, Chicago is in a tough spot where they're, I think they're one point out of a playoff spot, but everybody else is playing well and they're really not. I think they peaked. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So kind of is what it is with them. And it's kind of like the, what do they call it? Like conservative buyers. It's like yeah. buy, but don't give anything away. Cause you're still a few pieces away. Yeah. So um, yeah, it seems like an okay move. I mean, before the trade, I couldn't tell you what any of those players did. It, it wasn't, it wasn't big names getting moved. So um, yeah, I mean, I think Chicago comes out on top because I think that they have, how do I put it? less to lose if that makes sense they're not supposed to make the playoffs right so i think that by making this move swapping maybe you get some new life in the room maybe you go on a little tear here but i don't think it's going to make that big of a difference in an 82 game season i think they come in last yeah i think I agree. The rest of the year i agree on that uh anybody else have anything to add on this trade or is it kind of just one of those meh, under the radar trades yeah i think florida's going to try to put a lot into lucas carlson hoping that he is because he's 23, I th- hoping, I'm thinking they're hoping that he's going to develop into something that I don't think he's going to be. If he's a top six guy, then they'll get lucky with that even at this point. And then Clark yeah. will be or something to say. Yeah, so this trade to me, uh, you know, like everybody's saying, it's not the biggest trade in terms of overall value being swapped. Uh, it's a kind of a lot of hopes and dreams, really. Uh, but it has a lot of ripple effects, so... To me, Florida dumping Brett Connolly, because they're on an internal salary cap, like their owners don't like to spend a ton of money unless they're ready to go. Uh, They swap out Brett Connolly. They bring in Brandon Montour. That basically cancels each other out. They needed a defenseman to fill in for Aaron Ekblad. So I think moving Connolly out allowed them to do that. And then they go out and sign Nikita Gusev uh, and basically replace Connolly for basically free. So uh, that's where this deal, I think, had to happen is because Florida is basically saying, we need a defenseman. For the same price as Connolly, we got to get Connolly out of here. Nobody really wants him, so let's just make a little hopes and dreams swap with Cal- uh, with Chicago, who just needs some forwards. <laughs> they they've been a injured and b uh, they're on the downturn from what used to be a very good team. So uh, I think they just needed some forwards who have had some success in the past. They seem to like to bet on guys. Uh, you look at what they did with Dylan Strom, uh, Alex Nylander, who's hurt. Uh, and a bunch of other guys on their roster. They like to bet on guys. So I think they're going to give Brett Connolly a lot of time, honestly. Uh, but overall, I think this trade was just to get enough space to bring in Montour and fill in that back end. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, I don't know if – do you think Connolly would play with, with Kane right away or no? I, no, I think they're both right wingers. So Connolly probably fills in on a second or third line role. But I think they'll give him lots of time because he's had 20 goal seasons in the past. And – uh, they just they just need a guy to maybe hit, get some lightning in a bottle because if they want to make the playoffs, the Preds are surging too. So uh, I don't know if they're trying to make the playoffs necessarily, but I think they're in a position right now where they can at least give it a shot. So uh, their, their yeah. team has overachieved enough where I think they're in a position where the GM needs to reward them by giving them a little bit of a chance. But So bringing in a veteran like Brett Connolly just does that, and then they bring in a guy like Henrik Borgstrom, uh, who was supposed to be the next big thing in Florida too. And everyone kind of just gave up on him. So again, betting on a guy. Yeah. Like uh, right now they're two points out of the playoff spot, the last playoff spot in the central um, same amount of games played as Nashville, but Nashville has a lot more wins and then uh, Chicago has a lot more loser points. So, yeah. 
That's kind of I it. didn't think Chicago would get 10 wins all year and they're already at 19. So yeah. and they're overachieving. Nashville's eight and two in their last 10. Chicago's five and five. Yeah. Chicago's going the wrong way. Nashville is just hitting their stride and starting to play well. Yeah. So I don't, you know, Chicago's going to have to turn it around. And usually teams don't do that if they've already peaked. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Chicago's been playing 500 hockey. So I think they need to do better. Um, and that's kind of it for that trade. Moving along the list, a little, another little small trade. Uh, Colorado picked up Patrick Nemeth at 50% retained for a fourth round pick. Um, nothing really exciting about that. Does anybody want to talk about that at all? Colorado just getting a depth piece. Yeah, no. Uh, next, up I think you nailed it. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. It's not really exciting. Uh, next up, this is the one that kind of shocked me for the return. Uh, Florida got Brandon Montour in exchange for a third round pick to Buff going to Buffalo. Um, I think Florida won this trade. <laughs> 100% Florida won this trade. Uh, let's send it over to Paul first, because, Paul, you know Brandon Montour. So. Uh, yeah, he's a um, off- purely offensive defenseman. He doesn't play a lot of defense, which not the greatest, but he's a good, he's a good guy going to fill in behind um, Aaron Eckblad when he comes back. Hopefully they're trying to re-sign him, so hopefully that happens, and hopefully he has better – luck in Florida than he has in Buffalo is and can resume what he was in Anaheim. Okay. No, I, I agree on that. Uh, Brent, you have anything to add on that one? Um, not a whole lot. I, I think Brennan Montour is a good piece for Florida. I, I think they have a good team and obviously Aaron Akbad being out doesn't help them, but I think this guy kind of can fill in somewhat to, kind of take over and at least fill that void temporarily. Yeah, that, that, that's a very fair point. Um, Chad, do you have anything to add on this one? or? Yeah, just you need to watch what you're saying about who won the trade. Buffalo's not – Buffalo's going to end up after this offseason with probably 20 picks in the next three drafts, 25, or the 20 picks in the next two drafts rather. So that's what they're going for here. You can get a third for him, whatever. Maybe he's worth a second, but – it's not worth it. You got to get rid of him because he's not right. going to win on your team. You're going to trade Eichel in the offseason and probably get two firsts for him in a prospect. You're going to uh, trade Hall, and Hall is probably going to bring you back a first or a second. So if you trade, if you take Montour, Hall, and Eichel off your team and you end up with three firsts, a second, and a third, I take that. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's not it, – it's it's the the macro. Is it macro or micro? I always get these mixed up. But it, it's the big picture here. Like maybe they lose this trade, but – they're completely rebuilding their team. So they're going to trade everybody. So it's going to be what the end haul is. It's like with the Oklahoma City Thunder in basketball. They have something like 30 picks in the next four drafts. Like, it's absurd. They took they took their three best players and turned them into a 1,000 draft picks. And if a tenth of those hit, they have three good players. So it's just how it goes. Hockey's a little different, but that's what they're playing for. So, you know, it's, it's Buffalo might have lost this trade, but I think they're going to win it eventually. So... We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they get for Hall. Hall's going to get moved. I think Hall goes to Vegas, to be honest with you. But because Vegas just Vegas, it's so funny. They have the most fickle fan base because they're already upset that the team didn't like that. They're not good, even though they've been the best team in the division for the three years they've been in existence. So 
Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if you went there. It wouldn't surprise me if you went to Toronto. Wouldn't it would surprise me if you went to Toronto. It wouldn't surprise me if you went to Colorado either. Uh, but yeah, he's gonna get moved and they're gonna get quite a bit for him. They're I mean, he's a rental, but they're gonna get something for him. Yeah, and I mean, like if you watch sports that every good player is going to Toronto. Yeah, little, little guy at Sportsnet. <laughs> uh, Clark, Clark, what do you think on this trade? And then also, I guess you can get into the whole uh, fall thing as well. Yeah, so um, Brandon, like, Montour to me is is a very curious third-round pick value. And I know you're just trying to get rid of them. Buffalo's just trying to rebuild. But uh, they also have like four scouts on staff. They fired almost all of their scouts. And for me, loading up on picks like who's going to play on the team next year like you have to you have to put a team together you have to have enough guys to play on the ice so uh, I'm very curious uh, to see how they kind of you know navigate these next couple of years as they rebuild they're clearly in need of any assets at all so I get getting picks for this guy Uh, one trade that it won't make we probably won't talk too much about it but Washington just traded Jonas Siegenthaler to Arizona for a third round pick the exact same value and Siegenthaler's had as a career high of six points. Montour at least has a, like, you know, he, he played well enough to get a $3.85 million contract in this league. So I just, I don't get, I don't see how the value works out in that regard. Uh, however, uh, now, now Florida has six guys on the roster uh, on D uh, five of them are right-handed shots. I know Aaron Ekblad was also a right-handed shot. It's just, it's interesting how they're building their roster too, as they try to get into the playoffs and, make a little pushier themselves. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how Montour really fits. Uh, is he going to probably play with Mackenzie Weger? I would think on that second pair potentially, because they have Nudavara, Gudas, they have Strawman, Yandel. It's a lot of, a lot of weird guys that kind of just shuffled in there. So uh, it's an interesting move by Florida. I, I think there's, there's a, a very, um, very interesting value. I, I, a little surprised by that one. Well, Florida's shooting the moon. I mean, I think we can agree here. Florida's nowhere near good enough to win the cup. I mean, unless they start getting crazy goaltending, like yeah. they're nowhere near good enough. So I get them going for it in this year because this is weird circumstances. It's going to be easier to win it this year. You're not going to have the injury. I mean, Ekblad went down, so that's tough, but you're not going to have the injuries you usually have. So this is the year to go for it. I get it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, they're not even the best team in their state they're they're not good they are good but they're not they're not that next level there's five or six teams i think that can win the cup and they're not one of them so and they're gonna they're gonna play tampa in the first round by the looks of it too unless some stuff changes around so and and it'll be it'll be tampa with with kucherov back right yeah or the hurricanes so it's like either way either way they're struggling yeah it's a first round exit and they're giving up a lot of capital for him yeah so but on Florida's hand, also, this isn't purely a rental for them, I don't think, because Montour's a RFA at the end of the season. So, and they've already tried, they've already started contract uh, talks. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, like, like uh, Clark was saying there with the right handed shots, I think Uyghur plays the left side, even though he's right handed, but I might be wrong on that. Yeah, but yeah, he's listed as a both, so I would I could see that Montour is listed as both also. So maybe he, uh, I'll just be curious to see how that shakes down as he once he gets there and gets into the lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's odd. And the next one on our trade topic list, talk about is Greg Pattern to the Sharks, um, for a fifth and a fifth round pick for Devin Dubnik. Uh, we'll send it to Chad first because he's our San Jose guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Sharks just they didn't retain anything, right? They just sent him. No. Yeah, it's salary. I mean, pattern is is he'll probably be our seventh D, I would think. Our our sixth D right now is uh Kanijov, who is good, but he's not anything to write home about. I think he could develop into something nice, but um I think he's just that depth piece because it's basically the seventh D right now is either Jake Middleton or Nicholas Malosh. And pattern is, is equivalent to that unless I'm missing something, if not maybe a little better. So I'm okay with it. Um, the sharks are in that bad spot where they're too good to get a really high draft pick, but same kind of thing where if they make the playoffs, they're getting waxed in the first round. So, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, pattern. It's funny because this year the Barracuda went really old for their defense. So they have like Robbie Russo and Jacob Magna who have like 300 plus games in the AHL and they got all these guys. And now they have this guy who's also kind of that similar build. And I think a lot of it's to try and, you know, you have uh, Ryan Merkley who they're trying to kind of groom into this next big star. It looks pretty good in the AHL, but I don't hate the trade. Uh, Jones is playing out of his mind. He had a bad game last night again. It's just who he is. So um, it seems like a, a win-win because you get Jones. If he plays well, good. He's worth the money. If not, at least you're not paying his backup $5 million or whatever they're paying him, $3 million or whatever it ended up being. And there's also a couple guys in the AHL who haven't gotten a shot in the NHL that need it. So they've had a three-year starter in the AHL for a goaltending. So they need to get him a shot in the NHL. So I think it's good. I don't hate the trade. Um, yeah, I saw it and was just kind of like, okay, well, the Sharks are positioning themselves to take on a bad contract is what it seems like. So I could see whoever gets Hall, whoever gets someone who's making some money, dumping a bad contract on the Sharks and them taking it. And it wouldn't shock me because the Sharks are only, I think, three points out of a playoff spot. But yeah, it's not worth it to go for it. So um, that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to. I think they're clearing salary to take a bad contract in the next few days. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, so something's going to happen soon. I mean, Tampa, Toronto's, someone, someone's yeah. going to get someone, and then we're going to end up with a bad deal. But yeah, Toronto's picking up LTIR people, as Toronto mm-hmm. does. <laughs> We're good at it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they, they did that with uh, Riley Nash, I believe, this week, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was it? Riley Nash, who's on LTIR for a seven? Was that the deal? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a conditional seventh. Yeah. Yeah, so th- th- that to me screams Dubas is up to something. Um, oh, yeah. What it is, I don't know. We'll get into that soon once we're going to talk about all these trades. Uh, next up is the most confusing one. The David Savard, and he's he will be playing for Tampa. So, if I understood this work, so Savard was went from fifty percent retained to Detroit for Brian Lashoff, and then Detroit retained 50 percent of that fifty percent, so twenty five percent of his total contract, and then sent it to to Tampa for a fourth round pick, and then Columbus traded Brian Lashoff to Tampa for a first and a third. Is that the correct breakdown of this trade? Nailed it. Okay. So Tampa got Savard for basically a million dollars a year. And then Lashoff is going to stay playing for Detroit's AHL team, which is Grand Rapids, um, but get paid by Tampa. And then, yeah, so it's a strange trade overall. 
Um, so who wants to go first on this one? I mean, right. it's it's like it's the opposite of what I was saying about Buffalo. Like it's the same principle. Like you don't care what you give up because Tampa's competing and they have a window. So you get a guy for a million dollars a year, you trade away a few picks. I don't know. It's one of those trades where the team who got the best player also ended up with the best deal. And I don't know how that happens so frequently. Or like the NBA nixes those kind of deals, but the NHL doesn't for whatever reason. Like they, they didn't give up a lot. They got a good player for really cheap and it, it is what it is. I mean, Tampa's good. Tampa is again probably going to be in the conference finals. So we'll yeah. see what happens. But yeah, that's, that's all I have on it. It is funny when a team gets the best player and has the best financial situation out of it. I just don't understand how you get finagled that bad. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Savard was probably excited about this deal <laughs> going from Columbus to Tampa Bay. I mean, nicer weather and playing for a winning team. Um, yeah. Clark, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this trade? Again, I, I had a hard time following along with all the movement of pieces there. Yeah, it, leave it to Julian Breezeboss, Steve Eiserman, and uh, and uh, Kek- oh, what's his name? Yeah, <laughs> Kekalainen. Uh, leave it to those three to work up this. Uh, like there are three of the smartest GMs in the league, and they come up with this finagling to make sure all of this works. And uh, I think Columbus is basically the writings on the wall now. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see three or four more moves out of Columbus. Uh, because of this move uh, and the Riley Nash trade, which we talked about a second ago. But uh, basically, I think Columbus has given up on this year. They, the Central, like we were talking about a minute ago with, with uh, Nashville and Chicago, kind of, you know, holding on to something. Uh, Columbus is basically, uh, they don't have a, ch- a chance really anymore. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a couple more moves, especially like a Nick Foligno. Uh, you know, they have Del Zotto there, which would be a valuable piece for somebody else. Um, I don't think they would hold on to any of these guys. There's no reason to anymore. Torts is on his last year there. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're giving him any help. So I can't imagine he's super pumped to end off his career in Columbus this way. Uh, but, you know, good luck with Lyonet, I guess. Uh, and Tampa Bay, they're giving up all their first round picks anyway. So you might as well just keep on going. Uh, it, it worked for other teams in the past. You might as well just keep on giving up first rounders. They gave up two last year and they won the cup because of it. So uh, bringing in another guy like Savard, I think is just kind of adding to what they already are good at, uh, which is everything. And you might as well just give another shot. They have a, a great chance again. So supplement it. Yeah. Said it perfectly. I mean, I think Savard would really play third pair, second pair. Second, mostly second no, I, mean, I would think in, second a little bit, yeah. In Tampa, I'm, th- I'm trying to think because. Oh, in what, Tampa, uh... I could see him playing second, honestly, maybe even first, depending on how they utilize them. Because right yeah. now they're left. They're left is Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. Uh, on the right, they got Cernak, Savard, and I think uh, who do they have that's hurt right now? Jan Ruda. So I, I could okay. see him honestly playing first pair with Victor Hedman. I could see okay. it. Okay. I, I just thought, I I thought they had. Yeah. I thought they had a. Uh... Sergachev playing on the right side, but I might have moved. He's back and forth, but I think for the most part they list him as their third pair left guy. Okay. I think. That's a really strong third pair guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, no, uh Tampa's Tampa's a wagon. Um Savard, I, I think he's really good. He's not like an offensive superstar defenseman, but he can stay at home, be a responsible, which could allow some of these uh bigger guys to go uh 
be more of a riverboat gambler and have a little more fun out there to create more offense. So overall, I think it's a good trade. Uh, Tampa's getting better. Columbus got more picks out of it, and Detroit basically gets a fourth-round pick for spending money. Yeah, and there's there's really no money on it either. Uh, Chris Johnson from Sportsnet uh, sent out a message about how because David Savard's salary was uh, structured the way that it was, um, the actual dollars paid out was like almost negligible to begin with, and then it's being retained twice. So I think they only actually had to retain like under five hundred grand. Uh, I think it was even like quite a bit less than that, and they get a fourth round pick out of the deal. So, yeah. uh, so cap hit wise, it's different, but actual dollars, it's almost nothing. Yeah, actual dollars, I believe it was uh, $36,000. Oh, psh. okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah nothing. Because like uh, his contract, is, I think it was based off like uh, this year would have been just mostly bonuses. Kind of like a, right. how Matthew's deal is structured. Um, yeah, and that's kind of it's kind of for that trade. Anybody else want to talk about Savard going to Tampa or anything like that? Nobody? Nobody? All right, cool. Uh, we're almost done for the trades. Uh, the Capitals got... A conditional third round pick from Arizona's conditional third, and the Devils got Jonas Single Taylor. Um, I'm not really sure how that how to pronounce that name. I'm sorry if anybody can correct me. Um, Segan Segenthaler, yeah. Segenthaler, thank you. Yeah. I'm French. That's my that's my disclaimer. Hey, he's Swiss, so you, that's close enough to French. <laughs> oh, I have no excuse then. <laughs> I'm French, but I live in Manitoba. There, that's my excuse. There you go. I'll blame it on Manitoba. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a trade. I don't know where they – I guess he can play with uh, Subban or somebody in the Devils. I, yeah, I'm i not really sure what's going on with that whole trade. Yeah, he's apparently as good as Brandon Montour, so in terms of value. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not – yeah, it's, it's interesting. And the condition apparently it's a cap dump for uh, Washington to acquire a better defenseman. Okay, that makes more sense. So something to come. We just haven't seen the rest of it. That's what and, I read, at least. Yeah. And last but not least, the, a trade that I'm excited about is uh, Montreal got John Merrill from Detroit in exchange for Hayden Verbeck and a fifth round pick. Um, Merrill, I think, is a defenseman that Montreal has been looking for, or somebody. That can maybe be who Montreal's been looking for, because he he can move the puck relatively well. He's not the best puck moving defenseman by any means, but I think he can play with Weber, complement Weber very well. Uh, they've been looking for a good left-handed puck moving defenseman or a decent puck moving defenseman. So I think it's an okay trade. It's not like a big flashy trade. Verbeck's a C-level prospect and a fifth-round pick, so didn't give up too much. And it wasn't even their own pick. It was Ottawa's pick. And I think Montreal has something like 16 picks in this year's draft. So I'm not going to lose any sleep over losing a fifth. Um, but I'll ask somebody who's not a Montreal fan to talk about it. So whoever wants to go first. Um, Brent. Um, just thinking from uh, Montreal's standpoint, I think it's definitely a, a good opportunity for John Merrill and the team. I think uh, Merrill has potential to be a very good defenseman that can complement that lineup. And um, yeah, I, I don't hate the deal at all considering they didn't give up a whole lot for him. But yeah, that's about it for me. 
Uh, Chad, what are your thoughts on it? Because I think Merrill was out in uh, Vegas before, so you might have seen him play a bit. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't. Is he going to play bottom pair in Montreal? Yeah. Uh, the way they move their line, their pairing is around right now. I think he'll probably play top pairing with uh, Weber. Yeah, I mean, Montreal is heading towards the what I've been saying about the other teams that first round's not looking good for him. So uh, it might be a, a shutter too late. Of course, they have a good goalie, so you can't count them out. But I mean, didn't you guys lose five nothing last night? Yeah, but Price wasn't playing. It was uh, Allen Primo. Yeah, but I mean, when uh, five nothing's five nothing. Allen's uh, still not a bad goalie. Yeah, yeah. like. I mean, Winnipeg is good. Winnipeg, since since we had our last week, I've been watching Winnipeg a little bit more. They are good. I don't think they're as good as Toronto. I don't think they're even close. But uh, they are good, and they're definitely better than Edmonton, definitely better than Montreal. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. The, the thing about this season being so short, it really, really streamlined everything. So yeah. the good – it's almost like I don't want to talk about the bad teams because there's a solid five or six teams that can win it. And yeah. I think it's just better to talk about them. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Montreal, I'm, I'm officially – I've been counting out. But, I mean, this trade's not going to move the balance one way or another, I don't think. So. Well, I guess we'll see when time comes. I'm still hopeful as a fan. Mm-hmm. But as a realist, I – yeah, I probably realize they're not going to make a far push. If anything, they might get past Toronto because Toronto likes to choke in the first round. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Moving on to the past, eh? <laughs> I mean, they're not playing Boston, so they got a chance. Well, I mean, they couldn't make it past Columbus last year in the play-in. Hey, that's why we went out and got Riley Nash, so he couldn't shut us down again. <laughs> um, that's why Tampa got David Savard. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. I think if I can jump in here just really quick on the yeah, Merrill sure. thing, I think I think the most interesting thing for me is, yeah, he fits into the lineup pretty good. He might play first, the second, third pair. He could play anywhere and probably be fine. But they put Victor Mete on waivers, and I think that was because of it. Uh, so I'm very interested to see who picks him up because I can't imagine somebody doesn't pick up Victor Mete off of this. And I don't know if a lot of Canadians fans love Victor Mete, but he's still 22. Uh, so I think somebody will claim him. Uh, and I'm just curious to see how, like, if a Detroit picks him up and just takes a chance or, like, a Buffalo who needs bodies uh, would pick him up and, and start using him. So, uh, I don't know if uh, you, losing a 22-year-old RFA is is worth it for a 29-year-old John Merrill, but I know that he's probably a better fit in the lineup over a Met day. So, I think it's, a, it's an interesting move. Uh, as a Montreal fan, I'll add to that. Uh, the whole Met day thing, I'm not too worried about. Um mainly because he asked to leave he asked to be traded out of Montreal. He doesn't want to yeah. play there anymore. So, and nobody, they, they, they've been shopping him. Nobody wants to trade for him. So if yeah, somebody so picks ha- him up. So it happens when every player wants to leave, you know, you don't have any leverage. So. <laughs> no, what? Anyway. But no, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too worried. If we lose Mete, we lose Mete. He's, he's an offensive defenseman who can't, put up offense if that makes any sense he's also 22 right but like he's he's very strange he's a very strange case because like he's very good he's a very good skater he's a decent passer but he has a terrible shot like a terrible shot kind of reminds me honestly of um of the sharks prospect markley 
Merkley yeah. doesn't have that booming shot at all, but he he can move the puck and he can skate. So yeah. that reminds me of that a little bit. And then I think also his size too for a defenseman, he's only five foot nine, which you have to remember that too. Yeah, Merkley's five eleven. That's funny. It's all like Yeah. That's you know but those extra three inches are a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I at mean, least yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm excited about Merrill. I think he'll be a good fit. Um, at age 22, Jeff Petrie wasn't in the NHL. I just want to point that out. So, yes, he didn't get over 30 this points is- until he was 30. So, you might have called that one a little bit early. This is fair. Like I said, <laughs> for now, Mete is not working out in Montreal. Yeah. And he was also, I believe, a fourth round pick. So, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it for the trades right now. But we can actually talk about the Riley Nash trade. So Toronto picked up Nash. He goes in LTIR. Well, he was on LTIR um, for our Leafs fans. Clark. Hey. What, what do you think Dubas is up to? Oh, man. It could be a number of things. Uh, as soon as I saw that, um, first off, just in terms of Nash himself, I actually really like the addition in terms of the player. Uh, and, and I know we won't see him until the playoffs, but I've been harping for weeks that they need a third line center or a fourth line center who can take some defensive minutes away from guys like John Tavares and open up their offensive game a little bit more. So I was just, as soon as I saw Nash, I'm like, Oh man, he's been crushing us in the playoffs. Like I said, for like three years in a row, I'm just, I'm glad he's not on the team we're going to be playing. Uh, But uh, you know, Sheldon Keith came out and said that every time Riley Nash would go on the ice against a guy like Matthews or Tavares, you'd think it'd be, uh, you know, you think it'd be a huge mismatch when it, and it never was. Uh, Nash was the guy who shut guys down and had the ability to do that. So um, him having a $2.75 million cap hit, and then they put out Freddie Anderson on LTIR, which was another five. And I don't know exactly how the math all works out, but it basically opens up a ton of flexibility. So I could see it going a bunch of different ways. And knowing Kyle Dubas, it probably won't be anybody we have talked about ever. So who knows? I mean, I'm on cap friendly right now and cap space Leafs with the LTIR stuff. They have 7.75 million in the cap. It space. says that, Hey, yeah. okay. So there you with go. A, it's the full number. So who, who knows? It could be, could go so many different ways. I mean, that's only $250,000 less than what the Taylor Hall's contract is. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I, mean, I don't know if that's the right I, move though. I, I'm just saying, I've been Sportsnet, saying for a while. Sportsnet has been saying that, but. Alex Galchenyuk is actually fitting in really nicely on the first line. So thanks for that, Montreal. I mean, we didn't give you Galchenyuk. I believe that was Carolina. It was a chain of events, though. I'm thanking you guys for, for okay. ruining his career so much that he had to go to seven different teams in order to get to us. I love I it. I mean, he was a 30-goal scorer with us, and then we got Max Domi for him. So right. if you want to blame anybody who ruined his career, I, I would blame Arizona. <laughs> and then you got Josh Anderson, so that's exactly. even better. I, yeah. Anderson's been paying off really well for Montreal. I, I believe he's been paying a lot better than Domi has. Well, yeah, I agree. I actually really like I really like um, how, how Montreal has their roster structured right now, honestly. Um, people are giving them a lot of flack for their struggles uh, in the middle of the season once they fired their coach. But I, I think they're a team that's built for the playoffs. So I, the fact that Toronto is going to meet Montreal in the first round is very interesting to me. So... Uh, I think uh, you might see a guy with a little size added in Toronto to kind of match what the physicality that Montreal brings overall. But I'm going to be curious to see if they build to get to play against Montreal or if they build to just get better at what they're already good at, which is offense. And uh, we'll see. We'll see which direction they go in. 
Yeah, I got but it. I, I love the addition of Riley Nash. I think it's great. It's just to sum that up. I, I agree. And like, I think, uh, I think they've been doing pretty well um, as far as everything that Toronto's been doing. Uh, d- their defense, I believe they have a lot of left-handed defensemen, I believe, in Toronto. Yeah. Like uh, Brody, but he plays on the right side, but he's left-handed, correct? Yeah, he plays with Riley up in the top pair. Uh, and then they got Dermot and Sandine, who are kind of fighting for that sixth spot right now. Uh, Marty Marincin somehow seems to hang around. And uh, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Zach Bogosian, who was signed, and everyone's like, oh, well, he'll play most of the games. He might sit and rotate around. I don't see how you take that guy out of the lineup right now. He's been so good uh, on that third pair. Uh, it's been wild. I didn't expect it. Uh, but, yeah, I could see them. I would love to see them maybe get another guy like a Zach Bogosian potentially somebody like that. I don't know who's out there, but uh, that would make a lot of sense to me. And then we'll see what else they do. Maybe another uh, scoring winger of some type, but I don't know if we go all out for the Taylor Hall. I don't, I've heard too many things from people who know Taylor Hall that I don't want him anywhere near this team. Just, just, I'm just going to say that. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with yeah. that too. Um yeah, so at this point, I'm going to send it over to an interview I did earlier this week with a guy named Perdome, uh, Max Perdome, to be specific. He's a TikToker. He does a lot of videos. Uh, I don't know if Clark's seen him. I know you're probably the most active person on TikTok on this group chat. Uh, yeah, least, he's got some hot takes. He does. He does definitely have some hot takes. Uh, we sat down. We spoke uh, specifically about the Canucks and mainly only Canucks because he's a, he's a Vancouver fan. So we uh, spoke about the COVID situation in Vancouver and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'll send it over to that right now. And also I'd like to remind our listeners that this interview is brought to you in part by Paul's Haven Border Collie Rescue. It is our good friends out of Gimli, Manitoba, and they're a Border Collie Rescue. Uh, we ask that you continue donations to them and you can donate at admin at hullshaven.org. Again, that is admin at hullshaven.org. All the money goes to the dogs and this is a free ad that we give to them because we love dogs. My One of my dogs is from them. And yeah, like I said, all the money goes to the da- to the uh, to the dogs. It helps the dogs with vet bills, food cost, and the cost of running the rescue and everything of the sorts. No money is pocketed by anybody of the sorts. And uh, again, it's all not for profit and helps the dogs. So you know, continue the donations. We know uh, somebody sent a donation to them anonymously recently, and uh, they appreciate that. So thank you very much, and I hope you all enjoy this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome our next guest, Max. He's a TikToker. He's very, very smart about hockey. He has a lot of great hockey information on his TikTok page. And that's why we're bringing him on. He's also a Canucks fan. Ladies and gentlemen, Max, welcome to the Red Light Hockey Podcast. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. But, uh... that, that's okay. Uh, we're used to my dogs always interrupting the shows anyway. So All right. I'm surprised it's not mine this time. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically we're bringing you on to talk about hockey and you're a hockey fan, you're a Canucks fan. We're, we're trying to do a new thing. We're trying to get a, a fan from every fan base to come on, talk about uh, their opinions on certain things on our team and everything of the sorts, kind of, you know, pr- promoting every fan base to see what the perspectives are from different fan bases. Uh, I, I'm a Montreal fan myself. I grew up in Quebec. I live in Manitoba now due to my employer um, nice. outside, outside of podcasting. Um, so I don't really know much about the Western teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a Vancouver fan, uh, as I mentioned in your introduction. So first things first, I guess, do you want to kind of talk about uh, yourself and t- tell us kind of about what it's like to be a Vancouver fan? Yeah, for sure. So um, I just, uh, I started making TikToks like uh, probably like a 
two and a half weeks ago. Um, just talking about like hockey and uh, and uh, football mostly, a little bit of basketball too, because uh, those are the sports that I uh, you know I follow the most closely. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I've been a Vancouver fan like since birth. Um, you know, my dad grew up a Vancouver fan. Uh, he grew up you know in and around the Vancouver area, so you know it was just sort of a, a rite of passage that I become a Canucks fan. Um, and basically, it's been um, almost nothing but pain. Um, you know, being a Canucks fan. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're an interesting team because, uh, you know, the expectations aren't very high right now, but, uh, you know, they, they still seem to be able to disappoint, you know, every year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody knows that they're, you know, a cursed franchise, no cups and all that, but, uh, you know, there's, there's still hope, I guess. Now kind of talking about the whole Vancouver thing and the, the cursed franchise and not getting cups. Um, were you old enough to remember 2011 in the Bruins series? Because one of our other hosts that isn't here today, obviously, just myself, um, Paul, he's a huge Bruins fan. So what do you remember about that series, if you remember much about it? Yeah, so I was I was pretty young, but uh, I do have a, a good recollection of it, that whole playoff run. Um, I, I specifically remember the the Chicago series, that game seven in overtime. I remember I was watching that from, from Disneyland, actually. And that was like, you know, like the greatest thing ever. But then... Um, you know, I remember watching all the games in that series. Um, and then, you know, game seven, I remember just bawling my eyes out at the, uh, at the end of it. Um, I remember my dad being like, Max, you got to come look at this. And uh, he called me into his, uh, into his room and, and we were just like watching the riots on TV. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, just such a disaster. Lots of pain, obviously. I, I, I would say it's probably less painful than like the, the Seahawks uh, Super Bowl loss uh, in 2014, but uh yeah, I mean, it's, it's up there with some of my more painful memories. <laughs> um, yeah, and this, this year in Vancouver, it's been kind of rough with the whole uh, COVID thing happening and then my Habs uh, basically destroying them with, with Tyler Toffoli, carrying yep. them on his back. No no offense to you I, as a Vancouver fan. <laughs> I had to get that jab in there as a Habs fan. Yeah, it's all um, good. <laughs> first of all, what, what do you make of what's been going on right now with the whole uh, COVID thing in Vancouver? Obviously... Um, we mentioned it on our last episode, the health and safety of the players is first and foremost, you know, we want them to be, to, to, to get better and everything like that. But like, what do you think uh, is going to happen now with the season? Do you think they're going to finish 56 games or are they not going to, or, cause that, that's been a big uh, controversial topic right now about the whole COVID situation. Um, you know, it's, it's really up in the air right now. I don't really have a solid idea of what's going to happen. Um, yeah, obviously, like you said, you know, the, the players come first, uh, their health and safety. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the players say like, it's not worth it to, to finish the season, but, you know, from the NHL's perspective, you know, just from a parity standpoint, they're going to want the Canucks to finish the season so that, you know, every, every team has the same amount of games. They probably don't want to decide the, the playoff standings based on points percentage. Um, even though, you know, in the North division, the playoff teams are pretty much set, you know, it's going to be Edmonton, Winnipeg, uh, Toronto, and Montreal. Um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, what happened was, you know, that, that Brazilian variant in Vancouver, it's, uh, it's basically the hotspot of the world outside of Brazil for that P1 variant. And, um, you know, it just, uh, it spreads so quickly. And uh, I feel like the protocols kind of let the Canucks down a little bit because, you know, Adam got it, had that first positive test. And then, you know, for whatever reason, they allowed practice to go on after that. And um, yeah, I mean, it just spread like wildfire after that. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, hopefully for the, for the safety of the players, because I know they've been, there's been rumors that some of them have been on IVs right now for, uh, yeah. for dehydration purposes, because I believe the Brazilian variant makes you very dehydrated and all that sort of mm -hmm. thing. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, just to- hopefully they can all get better. Um, but more of like a, a different note with the whole Vancouver thing. Which player do you think is gonna like would Besser? Do you think he's gonna resign, or do you think they're gonna move him, or what do you think is gonna happen? The whole Besser thing and the who else is uh, up for contracts? Pedersen, yeah, all these guys. So so, so Besser's on a, on a bridge deal right now, I believe. So he's gonna be under contract for the next couple of years at a at a pretty uh, reasonable cap uh, cap hit. Um, the big ones coming up are going to be uh, Pedersen and uh, and Hughes. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what Benning does because you know with the flat cap and stuff, it's a it's a tough environment to navigate for him. And you know he's uh, I'm not sure I totally trust him in that, but uh, he's basically going to have to choose between um, you know bridge deals or uh, or long term deals. Um, I would prefer that he they got Pedersen and Hughes on long term deals because um, you know eventually the cap's going to go up and those deals are going to look better and better. Um, you know as time goes on. Um, but my prediction is that they're going to get both Pedersen and Hughes on probably like a three by eight or so contract, something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. They, l- luckily they just got Demko, uh, for five more years, um, on a fairly reasonable contract. So they're not going to have to worry about that one, um, going into the future, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'm looking at their other cap friendly right now. You have Edler for one more year after this season at 5.8. Yeah. Um, and after that he's an RFA, but your Brandon Sutter's contracts are up at the end of the season. So I guess that's kind of a good, good sign for you guys. Yeah. Get that off. Cause I, I feel like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he's one of those contracts that a lot of Vancouver fans don't like, or at least that's what I see on the Twitter world. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, one of many Albatross contracts that they're dealing with, you know, uh, you know, there's like Sutter, Roussel, Beagle, Erickson, Myers, you know, just a bunch of contracts that, you know, you wish they could get off the books, but uh, it's practically impossible, especially in the flat cap world. Yeah, it's ugh. yeah. With that Erickson thing, like, did he ever play any good years in Vancouver, or was he just bad from the start? Oh, he was he was bad from the start. in In his first game, in his first game in Vancouver, he scored an own goal, um, like one of those own goals where like there was a um, a delayed penalty, and then he tried to pass it back and put it in his own net. So I feel like that was sort of like a sign of what was to come. Um, I don't know his exact stats, but he's he's never you know lived up to the six million dollar cap hit. Um, they they wanted him to you know play on that first line with the Sedins and uh, try to get back in, into playoff contention before the, uh, the end of the Sedins career, but it just never worked out. Um, the chemistry wasn't there, you know, er, there were like injuries and uh, it, yeah, it was just one of the most disastrous free agent signings in like recent memory in, yeah, in the entire league. Cause I remember him being in Boston, like he was good in Boston, he was good in Dallas. And then I don't know what happened to him in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, signing like a 30 year old to a, to a six year deal is uh, is always risky as is and uh you know they just yeah yeah they got basically the worst case scenario out of it uh i guess it's, it's almost over you have two more years left of it so yeah only two more at least they didn't uh, sign lucic because it was between him and lucic that they wanted to sign and they this they is true Eric's. this is true lucic is uh it's probably the worst of the contracts yeah. um now Vancouver obviously is probably one of the more passionate fan bases in NHL, as along with all the other Canadian markets. Mm-hmm. Yourself being a Vancouver fan, um, is it usually a sellout every game? And what's that arena's atmosphere like? Obviously, pre-COVID, I'm like we can't go to games anymore right now, as it is right now. But pre-COVID, like I don't know what other arenas you've been to. What do you think it's the most comparable to? And what's that atmosphere like? Again, I haven't been to anywhere in the West except for Winnipeg, as far as the West I've been to. So. Yeah, so I um, I've been to I've been to probably about uh, six or so Canucks games, uh, you know, through my life, 
and uh, none of them have been well actually there was one that I went to in the 2011 season with with my dad where they played the last place blue jackets and you know that was crazy um you know the atmosphere back then was I remember it being you know pretty incomparable to anything I'd ever seen um especially more recently you know they, they still sell out obviously because you know it's Vancouver it's a such a you know passionate area but uh you know it's it, it's not like it's not like you know the the roof is coming off um um i uh, i didn't get a chance to go to a game last season um where they were sort of making that push towards the playoffs unfortunately but uh you know all the games i've been to basically have been in those basement years so um you know the atmosphere's good uh but it, it's not like you know it's not gonna like knock your socks off or anything like that at least from what i've seen better than arizona <laughs> Yeah, I've actually been to a game in Arizona. Yeah, sorry, okay. I forgot. Um, I went to a game. Um, like I was, um, we were we were in California uh, for like spring break, and uh, my dad got his tickets to a game in Phoenix because they're like dirt cheap. Um, so we went on a we went on a you know like a quick little plane down to down to Phoenix, and we went to this uh, this Phoenix versus Vancouver game, and um, you know it was like ninety percent Canucks fans. And like the, it was obviously not even close to full, like the, the upper decks were like, you know, very sparse. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just a funny experience. It was like all Canucks fans. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Even like within Canada as a Habs fan, like I feel like we take over a lot of arenas, like when you go to Ottawa or yeah, even sure. in Winnipeg, it was like that too, which I was shocked to see. Cause I know yeah, like Vancouver. I've been to, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I've been to like a couple Jets games, like when I wasn't Montreal, just cause like I live in Manitoba now. Mm-hmm. And uh even like those games, like I was shocked at how loud that arena was. But when Montreal was playing, it just happened to be all Montreal fans there, which I was shocked to see. But yeah, even um, in Vancouver, the, the Habs fans seem to take over. I mean, they talk about it on the broadcast a lot. It's usually like, you know, at least like 30% Habs fans when they're when they're playing in Vancouver. Which uh, which fan base out of the Canadian markets do you uh, hate playing against more? Toronto fans or uh, Montreal fans? Um, probably Toronto fans, um, probably just because like the whole media thing, you know, with like, uh, TSN and Sportsnet being so, well, obviously they're based in, in, you know, Toronto and Ontario. Um, but you know, they just get like shoved down your throat so hard. Like, you know, like that, remember that whole karaoke machine thing that happened like with TSN where they were talking about, you know, the player's favorite karaoke songs. And it's like, like, why do I need this shoved down my throat? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now kind of hopping around there about more about Vancouver things. The, what's your favorite Canucks memory in recent history well, or old history, if you remember anything super old, but I'm assuming you're, you're close to my age. So yeah. So Canucks memory. So I'd say that, um, you know, for the 2011 run that that game seven goal that, that bro scored in, in round one against, uh, against Chicago's up there, that, that one's more of a, a distant memory, you know? Um, and, and then more recently, you know, um, my best memories came from, um, from this last summer in their last playoff run, because like the thing that was so interesting about that, that playoff run was that it felt like the whole time they were basically living on borrowed time, you know, like no one expected them to go far at all. And, you know, I don't think they were favored in a single game in the entire playoffs. Um, I, I, you can fact check me on that. I'm not, I'm not totally sure that's correct, but I, I, I feel like I saw somewhere that uh, they weren't favored for a single game, the entire playoffs. Um, so I'd say, you know, that that uh, goal that Tanev scored that um, in overtime to, you know, put them into the playoffs, beat the Wild in the qualifying round was a, was a great memory. I was watching that with my dad. And then we were on a, a road trip this this last summer, um, sort of near the Vancouver area. And we were listening to um, 
game two of the of the Canucks versus Blues series on the radio, and uh, just uh, you know celebrating that overtime goal in the car um, that the, that Horvat scored was uh, was a great memory as well. Yeah, I mean those are all really good events. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Now, kind of looking at this year's Canucks and all the players on, on the team this year, um, what? How do you find Hopi? Again, do you do you like him, or do you think he's kind of came in overrated, or what are your yeah. thoughts I mean, on him? I feel like uh, at the at the time of the signing, he was uh, he, he was pretty overrated. Um, I, I didn't really love the contract at the time, but I was like, okay, you know, you want to have an established guy in case uh, Demko doesn't work out as your uh, as your as your starter. Um, you know, Holby his his performance this year has been you know pretty subpar. Uh, you know, he's a he's below average. You know, very very much backup material. Um, you know, he had some great years back in Washington, but, you know, he's like in his 30s now. Um, you know, I understand the rationale of the signing, but uh, it just really hasn't worked out so far. And, uh, yeah, Demko's clearly our, uh, our, a, our A1 goalie. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Demko's, Demko, I think he's going to be the next uh, franchise goalie in Vancouver. At least that, yeah. that, that's my prediction. Yeah, uh, I, I could totally see it. Now, kind of hopping off the Canucks a little bit, more talking about yourself. Um, your, your TikToks, you do a lot more analytical stuff and a lot more in the analytics world. Is that mm-hmm. just based off the fact that you believe more in the analytics side of the game, or is that more of like the the mentality in the in the Western areas? Or because one of our other hosts, um, Chad, he's from California. He works for the Sharks organization, oh, wow. um, and he he finds the he likes the analytics a lot more than I do. So I again, is that more of a Western thing? Do you think, or is that like just yourself, or? I- you know, I, I sort of got introduced to the analytics through uh, through Twitter and uh, and on, on Instagram. You know, through social media, people using them. Um, I, I don't think it's it's more prominent in in sort of like the Western areas than than other places, and especially because you know the Oilers fans just hate you know how analytics treat uh, Drysaddle because uh, his defense is so bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, I really I really like analytics. I think um, you know they're better than the normal stats that we look at, um, like save percentage, you know, goals goals above or um, goals against average, um, you know, just, you know, points and stuff. I feel like the analytics give you a, a better sort of like um, isolated view at how a player's playing. And, um, you know, I also understand that, you know, when you're watching a game, um, there's certain biases that are going to come into effect if you want to have, um, you know, a good, like there's certain biases that come into effect if you want to make uh, conclusions based on, you know, the game that you're watching. So like, for example, if I'm watching a Boston game, it's, it's tough for me to be impartial and, uh, you know, really, um, really judge uh, the players or, or the team because, um, you know, obviously I've got so much animosity uh, directed towards them from that 2011 series. Um, and at the same time, you know, I'm not a professional scout. Um, I'm not, you know, someone who works in the, in the hockey field. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, my eye can't, can't totally be trusted just on that alone, you know, cause I, I don't understand the game well enough basically to, uh, to totally understand it or to totally, uh, you know, get a good grasp on, uh, on what's happening at, uh, at all times on the ice. So yeah, that's uh, that's why I, I lead on analytics for a lot of uh, a lot of my player analysis and goalie analysis and team analysis. Yeah, and that that's that's a very fair point. I mean, I, I'd agree with most anal- most analytics. I still kind of somewhat like the eye test as well uh, with certain things, mm-hmm. especially especially in goaltending. I find um, analytics are bad for a lot of goalies because if uh, you want to go to look at other goalies like Carter Hart, um, he's I think he's a perfect example of a goalie that analytics make look bad. But also, it can make a lot of other goalies look really good, right? Um, yeah, yeah. 
there's certain things that you know analytics do that are imperfect, especially with goalies, because um, someone pointed out in my comments the other day that there's a lot of rink bias um, with uh, with the way that um, like shot tracking data is recorded. So like for example, I know the Wild have like some of the worst rink bias in the league. Uh, and basically it skews the, it, it, it'll make a goalie look better than they actually are uh, when they're playing, you know, in Minnesota versus, uh, you know, at the average arena. Yeah, I, I was wondering how that worked. And then you also had a really interesting video. I kind of wanted to bring it up. Sure. Uh, talking about goaltending and uh, why goals against average isn't a good stat. Yeah. If you want, um, I want to go into depth on that. No. For sure. So, so the, my favorite uh, goalie metric um is a, is a goal seed above expected. And um, I think it's, uh, I think it's much better than goals, above goals against average and, uh, and save percentage because it's uh, it, it tries to take into account basically the quality of the chances that a goal is fa uh, facing. So, um, you know, like if a defenseman takes a shot from the point um, that has like maybe a 1% chance of going in. So that awards a team um, with 0 0.01 expected goals. Um, so, you know, if a goalie saved one shot, um, you know, they've saved one shot from the point. They've saved 0.01 expected goals. They've allowed no goals. Their, their goals, goal saved above expected is 0.01. Um, so yeah, um, basically, um, it just, uh, it just does a better job than, than, uh, you know, save percentage at, at looking, you know, basically at the difficulty of, uh, the chances that a goal is facing. So like, you know, a dump in from, from the blue line or a dump in from the red line that, uh, that hits a goalie's pads isn't, isn't weighed the same as like a, you know, a net front chance that's, uh, you know, perfectly set up in the slot or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like the other stat. I think it's called the high danger shots and low danger mm -hmm. shots or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Cause I, I believe like so there's one goalie, I forget who it was. He got like a 45 save shutout, but only had two high danger shots against them. It's like, okay, well, mm -hmm. it wasn't that good of a shutout. But it, yeah, exactly. Because there's certain defensive systems that encourage shots from low danger areas, um, yeah. and that can obviously make a goalie look way better than than they might actually be performing if uh, if you're just looking at the save percentage. Islanders. Yep, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and kind of going on like your analytic stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of also want to talk about the trades, the traded lines coming up, approaching yep, for sure. on the twelfth. Um, who do you expect to be traded? Uh, there's obvious, the obvious ones like the uh, Palmieri's and the, those people of the world, but is there anybody your your moves you're expecting to see? Um, yeah, and teams you see to be making splashes. Well, I'll say first of all, the Canucks are probably not going to be able to do anything because of the COVID situation. Unfortunately, um, I I'd really hope that they go in and, and be sellers at the deadline um, because obviously they're not they're not ready to make a playoff run of. Uh, at all this year. So I, I was hoping that they'd probably, they'd uh, unload Pearson or, uh, or Sutter for something, but uh, around the league, I think, um, I think a any team that gets Taylor Hall is, uh, is getting a big steal because um, I sort of talked about it in, in, uh, in my video yesterday about Buffalo, but Taylor Hall has probably been the most unlucky player in the league. I mean, you know, usually he's not such a, he's not, you know, a terrible finisher, but right now um, the goals save above expected model. So like money puck negative 6.7 goals above expected and then top down hockey's got him at negative 9.4, which are both bottom in the league. So any team that gets him is, is going to get a guy that, uh, that I think is pretty underrated um, just based off of his play season. Um, I, I think that I, I could see Toronto making a splash and trading for him, you know, maybe like something like a second round pick or a, pro and a prospect or just a first round pick or something like that. Um, 
other teams I expect to make a splash. I feel like Edmonton might go might go do something, you know, to sort of put them in that upper echelon in the in the north, because um, competing with the Leafs is going to be really difficult this season. Um, Montreal, obviously, they went and got uh, they went and got Stall, which I think is another good move because you know just like Hall, um, all of Buffalo seems to be cursed, and he was scoring you know way less than uh, than his chances would suggest. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean. I'm just looking around the league. I mean, I, I don't, there's not really any other teams that I would expect to make a huge splash. I feel like the North division is going to be, it, it could be the most exciting, but it'll, at the same time, it could also be like the most, um, the, like the most sleepy because of uh, Vancouver's COVID situation. There might be guys that are a bit scared. So I feel like, uh, yeah, the North division might either, you know, just explode with trades or it could be, you know, the sleepiest division on trade deadline day. But overall, I think the trade deadline is going to be probably one of the more boring in recent memory, just because of all the COVID protocols and stuff. Yeah, that, that's a very fair assessment. Um, right now, my in our group chat, uh, apparently uh, Paul Murray might be getting traded later today. Um, oh, wow. To the, again, not 100% sure yet. And the date, so our listeners all know it's April 6th. Um, yeah, he might be getting traded to the Bruins. Apparently, they're uh, trying to do Paul Murray and Vertan- uh, Vathanen for a skew of picks and whatever wow. to Boston. So we'll see as that goes on, but that's from our insider of the day. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I, but apparently also the Islanders also want Paul Mary. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, yeah. He's definitely going to get traded, but yeah, it's just a matter of time to see who's going to get him. Yeah. Now you mentioned Buffalo, obviously. Mm-hmm. What do you think went wrong in Buffalo? Cause on paper, that team should have been a lot better than what they are. Like, so I, so, sorry. Um, yeah, they, go ahead. Sorry. I, I think, um, I think it was basically just a perfect storm of, uh, of unfortunate circumstance. So I think their coaching was pretty poor to start the year. I think um, they're basically ruining uh, Deline by uh, forcing him to be sort of like that school, you know, uh, shut down defenseman when he's more of like, you know, he's a creative transition offensive guy. Um, you know, I saw a really good example on Twitter the other day, like the, the coaches are forcing him to, uh, to try to stay away from, you know, making plays up the middle when, you know, that's sort of his, his, his expert is, is being creative up the middle. Um, so yeah, coaching is a big thing. Um, I feel like uh, luck is also a big factor. They've been very unlucky. Um, I, I believe they're, they're scoring at a rate of 1.65 goals per 60 when they're, um, they're generating 2.13 uh, expected goals per 60. So like that, like almost half, of, that's, a, that's basically a goal every two games that they're, they're uh, failing to score basically just out, mostly out of luck um it's also probably a team-wide you know finishing talent thing um but you know some of it's got to be luck um morale could also be a thing you know like the guys are obviously miserable there um not just because you know it's buffalo but also because you know the team is so bad historically and and you know in the present eichel's injury is also a big thing eichel's a great player and uh you know not having him in the lineup is, uh, is obviously going to do a number on on any team um, you know, their goaltending hasn't been great either. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's just a, it's just a big, big storm of things that, uh, that have caused everything to go wrong there. Um, I feel like it's probably not sustainable next year. They're probably going to be quite a bit better than they are this year, but, uh, yeah, I feel bad for uh, anybody who's a fan of that team. Cause it's, uh, yeah, not fun right now. Yeah. And it's been, I think seven years now since they made the playoffs or longer. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, it's yeah. I, I remember like when they were good back in the Ryan Miller days and ever since then it just seems to be downhill since Miller left. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel bad for 
you know, like I said, I feel bad for Sabres fan. I, I agree with you on that. I, yeah, I don't understand because, oh uh, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's sustainable. And I think the Darlene thing, you're, you hit that right on the nail. Um, with the whole, like the whole Darlene thing, like he, he's a puck moving defenseman. He came in the league looking like he could be kind of similar to like a Quinn Hughes or a Kale McCarr, like one of those young, mm-hmm. young puck moving defensemen. And then for some reason, Buffalo's coaching staff are like, no, nope, you're going to have to play stay at home. Yeah. Which, I feel like it's gonna is killing his development unless they like, unless they trade him to a team, then let him let him kind of go wild and do what he wants. Yeah, I think it'll ruin his career. I, I doubt he'll get traded at this deadline, but uh, if someone makes a splash and picks him up, I feel like they'll uh, they'll see a much better version of him than uh, than they're getting in Buffalo. No, no, I agree. I, I think it'll maybe be like an off season move if they're gonna move anything like that. Any of those big yeah. pieces in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, now kind of starting to wrap things up it's been about half an hour now uh looking at we'll do a little bit of cup predictions and then see who we think makes it out of every division so who do you think is going to be in the cup final and who do you think wins it um so i don't actually know like which divisions are playing each other in the in the in the cup final i know that i will tell you right now so it'll be west and north um play to go from the west side okay and then east and central Okay, so I, I think that the the West versus North, I feel like it's probably going to be, um, I feel like the Avalanche might uh, might sneak out of that side. And then, you know, in the East and the Central, I think the, I think, you know, there's a bunch of guys or a bunch of teams that have a good chance. The Islanders, um, the Lightning, I feel like have a good shot too. I feel like the Hurricanes goal, goaltending is a little bit too inconsistent to see them really, you know, make a, make a big push. Um, but uh, I'm not a big believer in the Capitals. Um, I feel like they've, their, their play right now is a little bit uh, unsustainable just based off of uh, some of the analytics that I've been looking at. So, yeah, I mean, the, the big ones that I really see that uh, could make it out of that side are the, uh, the Islanders and the Lightning. If I had to make a guess, I'd just go with the Lightning because they're going to get Kucherov back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, out of the north, I, I didn't catch what you said there. You oh, out. yeah. So I, I think that, uh, that the Leafs are probably going to make it out of the north. Um, uh, I think they're just too much of a juggernaut. Yeah, sorry. But uh, I, I think they're too much of a juggernaut. They're too good top to bottom. I mean, it shows how good they are that, uh, you know, their their spare parts are getting picked up by the Canucks on waivers and going on our, our second and first lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the Leafs, uh, I know I hate to say this as a Habs fan, but they're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're very good this year. It's It's been pretty crazy to see. Um. Yeah, but do you, out of the after the after the North Division, do you think Colorado, Colorado versus the, let's say Tampa, um, for the Cup Final, who do you think will win that? Honestly, I think I'm gonna go with Colorado. I mean, Colorado is just insane. Like their d- defense, like basically all six of those guys are, are top two guys on like any other team. Yeah, like it's insane. Like Makar, you know, like Byram, Gerard, like all of those guys, like Taves, like Taves is so good. And yeah. like he's playing, like he's not even playing top two minutes. Like it's crazy. It's crazy how good their their defense is. And Grubauer's having a great year as well uh, in net. And obviously, you know, they've got all that offensive firepower. It, they're just like they're insane. Like Sakic has done like such a masterful job of putting that roster together. Yeah, they they remind me of the Lightning last year without Vasilevsky. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, no, they. It's, if it is a Lightning Avalanche Cup final, that would be an exciting Cup final to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, That's a yeah, that'd be awesome. 
Now, out of those, uh, what do you think of the whole McKinnon helmet thing that happened recently? I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah, where he threw the helmet? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like that was, uh, you know, just he was getting frustrated. I don't think that warrants like a suspension or anything. I think it's fair that they uh, that they find him for it. Um, if they're going to suspend a star player recently, it probably should have been McDavid for that uh, that little elbow on Cock and Yemi. The chicken wing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree on that fully. Um, yeah, and then last thing, what do you think of the Wild uh, play this season? Is that your surprise of the year so far? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been they've been really surprising. Um, Evison, I think, is the coach there. He's, he's done a really, really good job, um, you know, with that whole team. Um, Capri's obviously, he's going to walk to the Calder, um, you know, whether you think that's fair or not. You know, he's a 23-year-old who's, uh, you know, competing against 19 and, and 20 year olds for that for the Calder but you know they're they're an awesome team um they're a team to look out for in the future um they uh got wrecked by the Canucks in the in the qualifying round last year so at least uh, you know we've got that on them but uh yeah I mean I doubt they'll make a a, a big run this year but uh, definitely a, a you know a team to watch for the future because they're they're playing really really well I agree I agree fully and uh last thing we're going to talk about if that's good with you uh going back to the Vancouver thing mm-hmm. um Tyler Myers, I remember him being in Buffalo and in Winnipeg. I haven't really watched much Vancouver again because just because the games are so late at night for me to watch. Yeah. What have you thought of Tyler Myers since he's gone to uh, Vancouver? Have you liked him? Have you disliked him? Well, I think um, I think you know he he brings actually a lot of upside uh, offensively, which is kind of you know ironic considering he's you know a big uh, he's a big guy. Um, I feel like Benning, when he signed him, he wanted him to be sort of like that Chara type because, you know, Benning was around and he was with the Bruins in 2011. You know, he wanted that big physical defenseman, but he's, he's uh, an, an absolute pylon in the defensive zone. Some of the worst defensive numbers in the entire league. Um, he's on, you know, a, a massive contract. I think it's a five by six, which is just, you know, it's so bad. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that I was disappointed in him, but um, you know, it's basically, uh, I don't think I expected any better out of him. So yeah, he's, he's very, very bad. That's fair. I mean, looking at, at the defense core in Vancouver, sorry, I keep dragging it out. You guys have a lot of really good puck moving defensemen and then no real, uh, stay at home guys. I think your only stay at home guy would be uh, Travis Hamoniak or Hamonic. Yeah. Hamon. Yeah, Hamannick, Jordy Ben, those guys are, are more of the, the stay-at-home type. I feel like Edler is a little bit more of a, you know, defense guy as well. Um, Schmidt, I'd say Schmidt and Hughes are basically the, are, are the only two really, you know, high-quality defensemen that the, the Canucks have right now. Schmidt was – I was actually really impressed that they picked him up this offseason. He's got, you know, great underlying numbers. He's uh, He passes the eye test too. I mean, he's uh, he's great, you know, at just moving the puck, you know, driving play into the, uh, into the opposite end and, uh, you know, preventing uh, a lot of high-danger scoring chances. Yeah, and then looking at your well, looking at again your decor again. Um, fun fact for you, Hughes and this Jalen guy, uh, Chatfield, Jalen. Yeah, Jalen Chatfield. Yeah. Um, are the only two players on the defense on the as your eh, of your defensemen who don't have uh, no movement clauses. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they just love handing out um, NFCs, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean. That seems to be Benning's like favorite negotiation tactic, just dropping a, a no move clause. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's. I think Vancouver, like their defense, they have a lot of really good players that are just this year were, didn't meet up the expectation. Um, yeah, I, I expect Vancouver to be a, very, a good a playoff team soon. Um, mm-hmm. 
when the especially when the divisions realign, I think they're going to be one of the better teams. I think the West is going to be now the Canadian West will be the teams to watch for. Yeah, yeah, the Pacific Division is going to be. It's a very if you know the Pacific Division had been around this year, I believe the Canucks would have been at least closer to a playoff spot because, you know, it's uh, it's one of the worst divisions in the league. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing. You know, you've got Pedersen and Hughes on the, on the last year of their ELCs that they couldn't you know put a put a better product out there. Um, I, I do expect them to get back to the playoffs soon, but uh, I don't I don't think they'll be a serious contender for for quite a while, especially if uh, if they hold on to Benning. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of uh, dis disliking of Benning. Um, as a Vancouver fan, are you a fan of Benning's? Or are you kind of? Eh? No, I mean I've I've been on the fire Benning train for for a while now. Um, <laughs> I think uh, you know he's been a he's it's been a total failure. Um, he uh, he gets a lot of credit for his uh, for his scouting and his drafting, which is is sort of fair. But I think more of the credit should go to should go to Judd Brackett, who's um, he was their old uh, director of scouting. He uh, he got poached by uh, Minnesota, but yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, I mean, his contracts, you know, basically, I feel like he would be substantially better if uh, they could just lock him in a dungeon on July first. Um, because uh yeah that's where that's where most of the connects problems have come from that july 1st overspending july 1st with no wi-fi so we can't go online yeah no things. yeah <laughs> yeah they, they gotta like cut his cords on, on july 1st and then yeah they'd be much better off for it uh well thank you very much for coming on we appreciate it uh um, yeah, thank you for having me and again if you want to leave a little plug now for yourself for people that are listening they can go find you on tiktok to watch yeah, your sure. videos because they, they are really good videos that's kind of why we asked thank you to come you. on as well Thank you. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say yeah. So, go ahead. Self plug. Yeah. So my TikTok is uh, is Perdome. That's P U R D O M E. Perdome. Um, I make a lot of videos about uh, about hockey and uh, about football. You know, the NFL. Um, those are those are the ones I, I talk about the most. And um, you know, it's mostly just uh, hot takes and uh, just some of my opinions that I want to put out there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, at max.mdp on Twitter at at uh, it's Perdome but with a zero instead of an O. And, uh, and yeah, uh, thank you again for having me. I, I really appreciate you being on. Um, thanks for reaching out and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll plug you guys too on, uh, on all my social medias. Awesome. Thank you very much. And like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Max. Thank you. And folks, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Again, it was brought to you part by Halls Haven Border Collie Rescue, our good friends out of Gimli, Manitoba. They are a great Border Collie Rescue. They help Border Collies from all over North America. Uh, they're good friends of mine. I am friends with the owner and the founder of the or director, however you want to call the person who runs the board, the rescue. Again, you can donate to them at admin at hullshaven.org. Again, that is admin at hullshaven.org. Link will be in the description of the episode as always. Thanks again. And back to the show. Now, Clark, the main reason we brought you on here is because you're a big, you're a big WHL guy. You know, the WHL, you're from Saskatchewan, uh, the hockey Mecca of the world, the province that produces the most hockey players in the NHL per capita of any place in the world. The home of Gordie Howe, the home of hey. lots of legends. Patrick Marlowe. Patty, Patty Marlowe's home. Again, the list goes on. The Shen brothers. There's more. <laughs> the list goes on. Saskatchewan is a great place for hockey. In my opinion, it is probably the second greatest place in hockey in Canada. But that's just because I'm a fan of Quebec because, you know, bias for Quebec. But I will admit Saskatchewan does produce a lot of excellent hockey players and i find that most players from saskatchewan play with a certain grit that uh is hard to play against especially coming to the playoffs and Saskatch i think there was some weird stat i saw last year that 
no team in the last like 20 years have won a Stanley Cup without one Saskatchewan born player on the team. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, just for reference, um, when St. Louis won the Cup, they had three Saskatchewan players on their team Shen, uh, Bozak, and uh, Jaden Schwartz. And uh, the host of the show that I produced, Rod Peterson, was on uh, a St. Louis radio show because they were like, wow, are all these Saskatchewan players winning the Cup? And, you know, he they said, uh, to Rod, one of the questions was, how long has it been since the Stanley Cup has been to Saskatchewan? I mean, it's such a small province. And Rod's like, guys, we get it every year. It comes here every single year. Like, we, we get to see it. It's always in a small town. It's literally here every year. We <laughs> look back in the history. We've had it almost every year it's ever been around. So uh, that was a, I think that's pretty funny that uh, the guy from St. Louis asked that question. But, yeah, it's a decent little hockey hotbed for sure. Yes. Um now we're based out of Regina. There's a certain hockey phenom playing in Regina for the WHL team in Regina. His name's Connor Bedard. I'm sure everybody here has heard of him. I mean, if you haven't, do you live under a rock? <laughs> uh, so you want to kind of tell us about this kid? Like, yeah. he's like 15 years old and just dominating the league? Yeah, so he's the first ever WHL player to ever get the exceptional status from the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, which has been given to the likes of John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, uh, Aaron Ekblad, McDavid, of course, uh, guys like that. Which And typically it's been out east. Uh, there's been players worthy of it out here, but they just have never given it to anybody for some reason. I don't know why. There's a lot of politics. Uh, I won't get into that. But um, Bedard comes in, you know, he's been getting hyped up over here for a couple of years now. Since he was 13, he was playing in a in a – above his age group and he was the leading scorer in the league last year as a 14 year old he played in a midget league under 18 I guess is what they call it now uh and he was the leading scorer in that league he had 43 goals in 36 games as a as a triple underager in that league um so then he comes he gets drafted first overall the Pats uh hosted the Memorial Cup a couple years ago and since then they've been bad uh so they have had um a, a couple of high draft picks but in order to you know in order to compete at the memorial cup they actually traded this year's pick away uh so which ended up being the second overall pick uh they maneuvered their way through a bunch of other trades to get swift currents pick which was the first overall pick uh by trading uh, avalanche prospect nick henry and uh who was the other guy that they traded anyway it doesn't matter uh, to Lethbridge, Jake Lecision, who's a Vegas prospect. It was Jake Lecision and Nick Henry, and they got this pick that was Swift Currents and the, worked out the way they wanted it to, and Connor Bedard's now here. Uh, and it's a weird year, so I'll, I'll just preface everything I'm about to say with there's no European players in the, in the WHL this year. Uh, a lot of players left because of COVID. They went down to the USHL, and they're playing down there, uh, or they're playing in other leagues, or some of the 20-year-olds just decided to not come at all. So there's that. But this kid has 28 points in 16 games now as a 15-year-old. It's the highest production level of any 18-year-old, any 17-year-old, any 16-year-old, and, of course, any 15-year-old in the last, I think, like 25 years in the WHL. So uh, pretty good. And, uh, you know, he's scored big goals. He's scored overtime goals. He's scoring uh, dangles. He's got a shot. He's got a little bit of everything. So, he's good enough that hockey Canada has already put him on their under 18 team, uh, not even tryout, just put him right on the team. And I think that's just how that worked this year, just because of COVID, they didn't have the ability to do a tryout. So they just picked their team, uh, but he's on the under 18. So I'm, I'm excited to see him at that 
on that stage because again like i said this year in the dub it's it's one division so they're only seeing six other teams because they had to split up every division into their own little bubbles or hubs or whatever you want to call it um alberta is playing they're traveling around with they only have five teams in their division so that's what they're doing but with regina right here in the city we have the entire eastern division uh so both manitoba teams and all five saskatchewan teams are all playing like a tournament kind of here uh, over 48 days they're playing i think it's like 87 games in 48 days or something like that uh so bedard has been lighting it up uh he's got an Austin Matthews level shot with a Mitch Marner level of playmaking ability. And I feel like he's got McDavid's hockey IQ. And I'm not going to say he's as good as any of those guys necessarily, but he's, he's got a good mix. Uh, and so I'm really curious to see uh, how he does, like I said, at the international level with these older players, because um, it's just kind of a weird year and he's leading the league in scoring uh, overall as a 15 year old, which you know, you got some Vegas fans. Peyton Krebs is playing in this league right now. And he was on hockey. He was on the world junior team. He was one of the leaders on the world junior team. He's got more points than Peyton Krebs. Uh, there's a couple, there's a lot of NHL prospects that are here right now. Braden Schneider, who's a New York Rangers prospect is playing with Brandon. Uh, he's a defenseman, but, and there's, you know, there's several other guys. Uh, you just go look at the stats list. It's pretty wild, but Bedard's leading all of them and, and the Pats aren't necessarily a good team either. So there's something to keep in mind that he's not playing with a bunch of good players. He's playing with uh, on his line as a 20 year old, who's kind of been a journeyman around the league, who's scored a few goals in his life, but um, he wasn't, he's not a draft pick. He's, he's right now, he's just an undrafted free agent. Who's going to be probably going to a free agent camp somewhere. I would think Carson Denemy is his name. Uh, and the other player is Ty Smith from the devils, his younger brother, Zach, uh, who again, yeah, he wasn't drafted in the WHL. He played junior A and they just picked him up last year. So th those have been his line mates for the most part. So he's he's not playing with superstar guys, uh, which is just leads to another level of how good this kid is. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 been a wild ride. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work. The company I work for does a lot of the production and the video work for for the WHL. So I've been able to kind of be involved a little bit and see him firsthand and also just all of his highlights have been following him. And, you know, every time he comes into a game, I think he has, I think he's only scored in or not scored in one of the games so far. He had a 12 game point streak, I think to start it. And then he, he didn't score because uh, I think they got shut out. Uh, and then he went on another four or five game point streak. And now he's going to hockey Canada's under 18 tournament. So it's been a wild little ride here and we've been, it's been a lot of hype in this city and it's been exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see him, uh, Brent, since you're kind of our local juniors guy, what are you thinking about him? Um, I think he's absolutely incredible. I, um, I, my buddy's little brother uh, played with him in, uh, I think it was a prospects tournament overseas. Um I think two years ago, three years ago, maybe. And he, he just said, he's like an unreal talent, like next level, never seen anything like it. And of course that's coming from a 15 year old kid, but, <laughs> but when he's saying that he's like the next, the next great thing to happen to hockey, it's, it's pretty cool to see that. Um, absolutely awesome for the kid. I mean, if he's leading the dub in uh, scoring, that's pretty nuts, obviously. And, um, obviously I, I personally don't like to hype up the young kids too much until they're 
more proven, but this kid looks like he's got the whole package and definitely will be something special for the NHL in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I'm excited to see him come to the NHL. I mean, all I, all I can say is I hope he doesn't get drafted by Edmonton or Buffalo <laughs> or Buffalo for that. Yeah, odds are. Just because of uh, their record with those level draft picks. And- yeah, and that's just to build on on what Brent was saying there. Like, I, that's exactly it. Like, I, I'm not in the mode where I want to say he's as good as McDavid, which is why I again uh, just said like, he's got all these abilities and he reminds me of guys. But uh, he's still, you know, pretty small. He's still 15. I think he has a lot of room to grow. Hopefully, uh, and you know, I want to see him against these these international players because in a typical year, I don't think it would be this. It, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I don't think it would have been as easy a transition for him with, you know, everything's in, in Regina. All they have to do is drive from the hotel that they're staying at to the rink. Uh, and so there's no travel involved. Uh, there is no, you know, three games. And well, I guess they're playing a lot of games in really quick time, but uh, you know, when you're on a road trip, it's a little bit different driving on the bus and all those things. And uh, the European players aren't here and they're not, they don't have full rosters. So, uh, there is a little bit of an asterisk to him leading the league, but at the same time, uh, as for a 15-year-old to have almost two points per game uh, is is unheard of. So uh, I'll be interested to see him in the next couple of years to see if he is as good as this season is going or if there's some regressions at some point. But he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got a great work ethic, and he's got all the abilities you would want. So uh, it's exciting. Yeah, and then – it's pretty much it for Connor Bedard. I mean, we can talk about him all day about how good he is, but you kind of sound like a broken record. Uh, I know, Chad, you had a question about a Sharks prospect that played in the WHL. Oh, uh, yeah. One thing about Bedard, though, has anyone ever been given ex- exceptional status besides the people we listed? Uh, yes, Joe Valino. Yeah, Who's there has been Sean, a few. Sean Day as well. Joe Valino is a, uh, he was a guy who everyone thought was going to be the first overall pick in the NHL. I think he ended up being either 30th or a second rounder by Detroit. Um, so that was a couple of years ago. He played in the Quebec league. Sean day was one that didn't work out at all. Uh, he mm-hmm. was like six foot four as a 15 year old. And he was just scoring like 30 goals a year as a defenseman. Uh, mm-hmm. so they gave him exceptional status. He had a really good rookie year. And then I think he got into a little bit of drinking problems and, uh, didn't, didn't, he's still playing. He's still, I think he's, he's on some teams farm team somewhere, but, uh, it wasn't quite like it, everyone was talking about him being the next Chris Pronger. And, and that didn't happen at all. Uh, Shane, so Shane Wright, the, Shane Wright, right now with Kingston, who's doing very well, uh, is kind of the next, um, you know, whatever you want to call him. He's a kind of a power forward uh, type of kid. Uh, so he's been doing great. Uh, again, I think it was Stamkos. I think I think the reason this happened is because they wanted to do this with Crosby, but it wasn't a thing yet. Uh, so I don't think Crosby actually got it. But he was the first one. They're like, well, we should have given him. We should have let this kid play at 15. Gotcha. And then I'm not sure who the actual first player who got this was, but um, um, Alexander essentially, Dig. yeah, Alexander Dig. He was the first one to get it. Yep. Wasn't he from Back before Crosby? Yeah. Yeah, he was way yeah. before. He was in the 80s, yeah. 90s. Yeah. But yeah, he he was um, the first one to get it, and then he was so bad that they took it away. They took it away. And okay. then Crosby happened. Then they're like, oh, okay, we should put it back. So the yeah. first recent one, I think it was Tavares. I think Tavares Inter- was the first one to get it in the modern era. Yeah. yeah. Tavares or Tavares or Stamkos is one of those two. I think it was I think Johnny. I think Johnny came first and then Stamkos yeah. was right after him. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, well, yeah. Uh, my question was just, there's just two Sharks prospects this year that got drafted 
believe first and second round with uh, Weisblatt and Tristan Robbins. Yeah. And I haven't been keeping up on him as much. I loved Weisblatt's game. He played uh, five or six for San Jose here for the AHL team. What do you like about him or what do you know about him? Yeah, he played, uh, he plays on the Prince Albert Raiders and they just won the, the WHL championship a couple of years ago. And he was a big part of that. He was a 16 year old, I think. So he was a rookie on that team. And I think he quickly moved up. I think he was playing in their top six during the playoffs. So uh, he's got a great tenacity and that family. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the yeah. Weisblatt story. I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. Uh, their mom is deaf and she's got four kids. They're all, they're all really good at hockey. Uh, and, you know, Ozzy's the first one to get drafted. Um, and so I think he's got a big chip on his shoulder. He's, he's got kind of a, I would compare him to like a Brendan Gallagher type of, of player. Uh, yeah. He plays with a lot shot. more grit than I thought he would. Yeah. Like he, he was and just I, yeah. in it like every yeah. time. All of his brothers, uh, well, you got a younger brother who plays on the Medicine Net Tigers, but his other two brothers uh, were both junior A players for the most part, I think. And they're all, they've all got really weird names. So Ozzy's actually the most normal name. Uh, one of them is like Ocean. One of them's Orca. One of them is, um, oh, I can't think of the other one. They're all, they're all, I'll start with O's. Oasis, that's the other one. And they're all junior A players. So they've, they've kind of, if you know what junior A is like in Western Canada, uh, it's the league where the guys who aren't, are talented enough or skilled enough i'll say they go play in junior a so that's usually the the grittier guys and uh you know there's definitely goal scores and stuff but it's usually a little bit more physical down in junior a so uh yeah i think he comes from that that cut of that cloth type of, of player and uh i love ozzy Whiteblood. i think he's gonna make a really nice probably a third liner maybe a second yeah. liner again like kind of a brendan gallagher style that's a, that's guy a, that's about what i got that's from him would, too yeah tristan robbins is a guy um a good person to follow if you don't already on Twitter is my buddy, Joel Henderson uh, at that hockey dough on Twitter. Uh, he's one of my favorite follows. He's a Western hockey league scout and he loves Tristan Robbins. He was swearing by Tristan Robbins mm-hmm. uh, and, and Tristan's come back and he's like one of the leaders on Saskatoon right now on the blades. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he was actually on the Pats. So I actually have this weird connection to him because he was a, he was a rookie. Nice um, guy too. Nice dude. Oh, great kid. Yeah. His yeah. dad played uh, in, I think he, his dad played in the NHL too, uh, back in the day with the Sharks, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a cool story in itself. Tristan was actually involved in a major trade when we were hosting the Memorial Cup. He was involved in a trade that brought uh, Rangers prospect Libor Hayek over from the Saskatoon Blades. So that's why he's there. Uh, he was a big piece of that. And he's developed a ton. He was, he was like five foot two when I first saw him. Uh, maybe 130 pounds soaking wet. And now he's this, you know, he's filled out a little bit. He's definitely smaller, but he's smart. So uh, if you want more information on Tristan Robbins, go follow my buddy Joel over on Twitter and he'll give you a big breakdown of him. He's good. Yeah. And then the two other guys I had were guys that are already in the AHL. They left a few years ago. One of them, I think won the AHL or pardon me, the WHL won the WHL MVP is uh, Joaquin Blickfeld. And I'm wondering Mm. if you had anything on him or if you remembered him. He yeah, he was on port. He was on Portland. So yeah. we don't really see the American teams too often. It's it's a weird scenario with uh, um, the U.S. and B.C. teams where they only come to your town once every two years. Uh, okay. So I only ever saw Yoke. I think I saw him twice, but uh, not a ton. Uh, he's a big body kid. I think he's going to be a nice player uh, for a while, but I don't know. I didn't see a ton he's out of him. That would... He's oh, got yeah. a shot. He's got. That's... He's got a little bit of everything and yeah. like, he's going to be a guy who's, he's going to play on, I think he's from like Switzerland or one of those countries. Mm-hmm. He's from Denmark. He's going to play on, he's going to, yeah, he's going to play on their national team forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 
yeah, we'll yeah, I'm see. Thinking, how, I'm thinking I'm thinking at best maybe a second line winger that can give you 20. He he just has such a good shot. It, it's you can't really count him out. And then the last one I had was Jaden Hobgelocks. He played yeah, for good Moose pronunciation, by the way. Yeah, I'm a broadcaster. It's it's the trades. So I, I got to know how to pronounce them. That's why I have a problem with like names like Hirschier and names I can't say. I have such an issue with because I like being able to say them. But yeah, he put up crazy numbers and he's small. So yeah. it was a. Uh, I wonder what you saw out of him because I love his game. He's another one of the guys. I think he's like five seven, five eight. Like yeah. he's yeah, he's five eight and plays like he's six two. He's in the corner with these six four defensemen. Like he just doesn't give a shit. He does whatever he wants. No, he's great. And uh, so he was on Moose Jaw. So I saw him a lot. Uh, he was, I think he was in his 20 year old year, my first year in the WHL. Uh, and he was a guy who was almost, he almost quit hockey uh, mm-hmm. when he was like 17. Cause yeah, no team was giving him a chance. Cause he was too small. He couldn't play in a fourth line. Uh, so he went down and played a little bit of junior a, got a little bit of uh, experience, but then he forced his way back up into the WHL really fast. And I think uh, his first full year was as an 18 year old with Moose Jaw, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think he did all that great. Like, I mean, he might've got like 20 points. This is all off the top of my head. So I'm probably so wrong. He, but... So this confuses me too, which I wanted to ask you because you're the WHL guy, but he played yeah. in 2012 and 13. He played a game. Then in 2013, 14. That would have been as a 15 year old. Then he played four games in 2013, 14. Then his mm-hmm. first full year was he played 59 games and got eight points, which yeah. Eight points. Yeah. There yeah he, didn't do, he didn't do great. But how did he play so many years? Because that would be, uh, then he, he played four he came years in as. That. Yeah, he came in. Uh, you can play uh, up to five games as a 15 year old. Gotcha. So you, it okay. turns into actually, if you have eligibility, kind of play six years. Uh, so 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, so he uh, he got a little bit of time, but like I said, he could never crack a roster and stay on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what was his numbers the next year after he got eight points? So then he went 41 points, 101, then 129. Yeah. So he, I mean, he went from 41 points to 130 points in two years. Yeah. So he played as that, like I said, as that 17 year old, he had eight points, wasn't really sure what was going on anymore. Uh, and I think he almost threatened, like I said, I think if I remember the story correctly, he was going to either quit or just go play junior A because he was tired of tired of battling for a spot. And then he comes back as an 18 year old, does that 19 year old leads the league in scoring 20 year old would have led the league in scoring, but uh, we had something to say about that in Regina. We had Sam Steele and Adam Brooks. Uh, and they both had 130 points. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a crazy year in the, in yeah, the division scoring, scoring 70 goals in 72 games is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> they had a wild team that year. Moose Jaw. It was, it was such a stupid division that year because the three best teams in the league were all in the same division and they all played each other in the playoffs. So it was like, they basically just killed each other going to, and by the time we got to the finals that year, the Regina made the finals that year. Um, Seattle was coming off this easy stroll through BC and yeah. the American teams and they were arrested at Ethan bear, Matthew Barzell on that team, uh, among others. Team. Yeah. And Ethan bear had a broken right hand, which was his shooting hand. And, uh, he still scored a bunch of goals against us that, that series. So, uh, we came up after battling some of the best teams in the league. And then we played Seattle that year and it didn't yeah. go our way, but that's, uh, that's the WHL. <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen with the NHL this year in terms of, I think Vegas and I think Colorado's the best built team in the league. I don't think they'll win it this year, but I think that they're going to be dominant for a few years, but they're going to have yeah. to play Vegas to get in. And Vegas is just, they're just going to beat the shit out of them for seven games. So I think like, while that team might be the best, whoever comes out of the West, I don't think they're going to make a run because of that. They're going to get beat in the conference finals, I think. So yeah, I could see it that. is it is funny how that happens. But yeah, those are my questions about the WHL. WHL is an interesting league. 
because that's so many points 130 points in 72 games that's crazy but um but yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much all i had hobgolox has turned done pretty well too he's about 15 goal scorer usually and he's a lot of fun to watch he might be the shiftiest player i've ever seen in terms well, of he's, he, he's the- He's like the perfect new modern era of player. Uh, you see Alex DeBrinket doing really good right now. You see guys like that who wouldn't have gotten a shot 10 years ago. Uh, and now they're, the, they're what everybody wants because uh, they're, under, they're underlooked and they're guys who can come in and score 15, 20 goals, like you said. Uh, they can get around places, and, and that's just the modern way of the NHL and hockey in general, I feel like. Yeah, if they, if they kept a stat for shifting out of the way of a hit in the corner and causing the player to hit himself – Hobgolox would lead the hockey world in it every single time he's in the corner battling for a puck and he just ducks out the way the last second the dude just runs full speed into the boards it's just how it goes but yeah that's all I had on the WHL I love the WHL WHL is a fun league and yeah it's crazy that they have teams all the way down to Portland that's that's I'm pretty pretty, sure I'm pretty pretty sure another guy was actually on Jaden's team Noah Gregor is he not down in yeah Gregor's with the Sharks I didn't know he was on the same team Gregor's like an in-betweener He's he's too yeah. good for the too good for the AHL, but he's not quite good enough for the NHL. He's yeah, he was guys. on he was on that team with Jaden, and then I think he got traded to PA and won the championship with Prince Albert that year. Uh, gotcha. So there you go. There's your little yeah. Yeah, Gregor is one of the yeah. He scored a goal last year where he got the puck at a, our own faceoff dot, and then just beat everybody in a sprint and scored. It was electric. <laughs> See if I can find it, post it. But yeah, no he's the good. yeah it was it was a lot of fun to watch for sure. But that's cool. WHL is cool. I wish there was more major ho- or uh, jun- major junior hockey coming down the coast and into, you know, smaller towns in California. But there's not. So that's how it goes. We got the Western States League. Yeah. <laughs> not quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> I got three players I want to ask about. Actually, four uh, players I want to ask about in the WHL. Um, two of them play for Winnipeg. I want to ask about Lambos and Savoy or Savoy. Uh, yeah, whichever, Savoy. One of, whichever one of the two you want to go go with first sure uh Savoy was actually one of the players Matthew uh, his brother Carter plays in uh the University of Maine I think it is or somewhere um it doesn't I don't that doesn't sound right to me but he uh, Denver I think it's a Denver uh and he actually was a Hobie Baker finalist this year uh I think uh but he uh is an Edmonton Oilers signee Matthew was actually a player who was in the argument for exceptional status um I guess he's what is he now? Is he in his 16 year old year? Seven last year was his 15 year old year. So I think he's um, drafted eligible next year, not this year, but the year after. Yeah. So two two years ago, there was this big campaign for Matthew Savoy to get exceptional status, and he didn't get it famously uh, in the WHL. Um, and what they did instead was basically waived every rule about how many games he could play as a 15 year old, and he basically played the whole year anyways. So I don't know how that worked out. It was kind of it kind of seemed like cheating and everyone was kind of complaining about it, but also everyone's like, well, he should have got exceptional status. So we're just going to let this slide. Um, So he's actually um, a very interesting player. I would say very uh, comparable to how Bedard is where he's very shifty. He's not overly big, but uh, he, he can kind of get around everybody. Um, And him and his brother uh, are interesting because they've, they've Carter went the junior a route to the NCAA. Matthew was this super highly touted player. And the Regina Pats actually held Carter's rights. So everyone was thinking that Matthew was going to end up here and then Carter would switch into the WHL route instead of the junior A NCAA route. Because I don't know if you, anybody knows this, especially down in the States, it's, it's a little confusing. But if you play in the WHL, you can't play college hockey. 
there's this rule against it. WHL players or junior players uh, in the you know OHL or Q are considered semi-pro because they get paid, sort of. Not really. Um, they get gas money more than anything. But um, you know, so Carter wanted to do NCAA. Matthew was this highly touted player. Uh, and there was a lot of kind of rumors around him getting exceptional status. So he's very interesting. Uh, and I think he had a massive concussion last year. He got knocked out in one of his first games. So he didn't get to um, kind of get as much. I don't think he was as good as he was because I think he was a little hesitant, but he's going to be a very good player. Uh, I don't know who to compare him to because we I haven't seen him a ton, honestly, uh, just because he, of his injury problems. And now he's down. He's not playing in the WHL this year. He's uh, He went down to the United States Hockey League like a bunch of other players did. So he's not actually here. Uh, so I'd love to tell you more about him, but I love the player. He's got a ton of skill. So uh, exciting to see what he does in the next little while. Carson Lambos is a nice defenseman. He got hurt here too. So I'd love to tell you more about it, but he got hurt really early on and he hasn't been playing much either. So um, again, if you want to know more, uh, my buddy Joel at that hockey dough on Twitter, he's great. He's got a, some scouting on those guys. Uh, I'd recommend going and checking out Joel's stuff. And then my third guy I wanted to ask about, he's a Montreal draft pick, um, Caden Gooley. Yeah. Uh, he's Ozzy Weisblatt's teammate. Yeah. That guy's big. He's a big guy. And like yeah. I saw him play a bit in the AHL there before the, the WHL season started up. He hits hard, even like in the AHL. Like he was knocking guys over, like all, all over the Northern Division for Canada in the AHL. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on him? So his older brother is Brendan, uh, who yeah. was an Anaheim draft pick, and then he got traded. Or no, sorry, he was a Buffalo draft pick, and he got traded for Brendan Montour. So that just wraps up our whole conversation today. Uh, but Brendan hasn't really panned out yet. And Caden's a kid who has more offensive skill than Brendan did, from all my knowledge. And funny story, he got hurt too, so he's not playing right now either. Uh, but um, he's, he's supposed to be kind of more of a – uh, a tall, lanky, puck-moving defenseman by all accounts. Um, I think he's developing a lot. Like, he needs to develop a lot more skills. Like, we talked about Victor Mete earlier not having a shot. I think Gooley's kind of in that realm where he needs to work on that a lot more and get stronger because I think he, he grew tall but not out. So I think he needs to get a little stronger as a player overall. Uh, but he is still a Western guy. He still has that physical edge to him. He was one of uh, – he was on Team Canada this year, so – they think highly of him uh, in the world juniors, I should say. And uh, I think he's got a big future ahead of him. And I think, you know, guys like picking up guys like John Merrill and those guys aren't going to, you aren't going to need those guys soon. Cause I think Caden Gooley's going to probably make the roster next year, I would think. Um, but we'll see. He's got a long way to grow. And I think, uh, you know, working with guys like Shea Weber and, and guys like that, I think will help him a lot uh, just to kind of get more physical and get more confident and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the NHL. Along with him and Romanov, the left side is up pretty good. So yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, they've got a Romanov, good future going. I guess however they want. Kale Flurry's my guy too. By the um, way, I got to give a know. shout out to Kale Flurry, my guy Kale Flurry. He was on the Pats yeah. too, so he's a Montreal guy as well. He's playing in Laval, I think. But yeah, uh, I, I, I love, love Kale that Flurry. Kid. That kid, love he that hits, kid. He hits mean. He's mean. I, I love yeah. watching him play. He's mean. Uh, yeah. They're actually talking about maybe calling him up until because uh, he's on a he's not waiver eligible yet. So. They yeah. actually call him up to, pull, to play that right side to fill in for Mete. So he's on track to be a little bit better than his brother Hayden, who's uh, middling in Carolina right now. But uh, they're both it's pretty good tandem. Uh, left hand, left hand shot Hayden and right hand shot Kale. I'm sure at some point they're going to play together. I would hope so. Wasn't Hayden supposed to be a lot better than he turned out to be so far? 
Like, yeah, just, he was he was kind of like kind of similar like to Brendan Gooley. Like they were supposed to both be pretty really good players coming out about the same time. And uh, I don't know what happened. Hayden Fleury is an amazing skater. Uh, he's a big body kid, and he can he has a pretty good like he has all the tools you would want. I don't know. I think Carolina just has a ton of defensemen. Like if you look at Carolina's roster, they have like eight NHL defensemen on their roster. Jake Bean's another one who's another WHL kid uh, who's just sitting over there doing nothing really. Uh, they, they haven't given a ton of them a chance because they got guys like Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci and like they've got a ton of guys over there that just they don't there's not a ton of ice time for the younger kids and uh, I'm a little surprised that both Bean and Flurry haven't been traded yet and I wouldn't be shocked if they get traded tomorrow honestly uh, somewhere that needs a younger defenseman that wants to you know start building towards something in the future uh, I could see that for sure especially if Carolina's going out and being aggressive tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon at the deadline for sure. Montreal might trade for Flurry, trade Sherrod for Flurry. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> so would I. Um, yeah, and then out of those, and then the last guy I want to talk about was a goalie. Uh, he's, I think he's twenty now. Connor Ungar or nineteen, the weekend's oh, goalie. Unger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unger. Um, I know he's not very highly touted, but he looks really, he looks decent. Um, I guess actually one more after him. I wanted to mention. What are your thoughts sure. on him seeing the weekends? Uh, he's kind of been a guy who hasn't been, he hasn't really been given the, the reins to be a starter yet in the league. So um, yeah. I, I'd love to see him get a chance somewhere, but he's been playing really good this year uh, at, in the WHL hub. Um, in, in He's been playing nicely for the Weekings and the Weekings are doing really well. Uh, they have another goalie too. Uh, I think they're sharing time. I'll have to look it up, but um, yeah, cool. he's been, he's been around forever, but he's never really stood out. So that's, he's an interesting name that you bring up. I think he's was because I think he's their only Canadian goalie, because their other goalie I think was a uh, Finnish or something like that. Yeah, they had they had a guy. Let me just double check. He's I got a, it here. He's in the. They have Ethan. System. They have Ethan Kruger. They had Yuri Patera, who yeah, is with the Golden Knights. Um, but Brandon, uh, basically everybody who's ever worked for Brandon is working with the Vegas Golden Knights now. Kelly McCrimmon used to own the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's their GM. Uh, half of their broadcast staff are all former Wheat Kings guys. I think they have a few coaches that used to coach on the Wheat Kings there too. So they love their Wheat King boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I live right next to Brandon, so I get to see that firsthand. That's why I bring yeah. Brandon so much. Um, yeah. And my last, my last question about the WHL goalies is Taylor Gauthier. Mm, what do you, what yeah. are your thoughts on him? I, I, you think he's going to be a good starter someday or. Uh, maybe uh, my buddy, uh, Jeremy Corrigan is one is the news anchor out in Prince George. And that's where Taylor Gauthier plays. And, I actually specifically asked him before the world juniors about him because Gauthier was one of four goalies, I think, or five goalies at the world junior camp for team Canada. And I was like, can Gauthier be the guy? And he's like, yeah, he he's basically been dragging Prince George to wins for three straight years. And nobody's talking about this kid. I think he's like six foot four. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he got drafted, uh, no. but I think, I think he's one of those goalies and you see it in junior hockey all the time that are on bad teams. Uh, but they're the only reason they win any games. So I think he's one of those types of kids. And I think like a guy like I'm thinking back, I think of Roberto Luongo, if you go look at his junior stats, they're not good, but look at what he did. Um, and there's Roy. a couple of other. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was the eighties though. Those are weird times. <laughs> like, uh, like if you look yeah. at his, his stats, like he, every game they started, like he let in four goals, but like on average, most games that he'd play, he would be facing something like, uh, when he was a kid, like, I know Chad's looking at me funny. Um, but uh, he, yeah, 
he'd face something like 60, 70 shots a game or something insane like that. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I think another guy, Matt Murray, uh, I don't know. I can't remember what team he played on in junior, but he was in the Quebec league. I'm pretty sure. Uh, or it wasn't, uh, maybe it was the OHL, but his numbers, he had like an eight ninety save percentage in junior. And then he goes and wins a cup as a rookie. And then again, yeah. so, uh, he, Taylor Gochi, I think could be one of those types of kids who comes in as like a 23 year old. Nobody talks about him ever uh, 24 year old type of player. And then all of a sudden he's a starting goalie somewhere. I can yeah. see him being that type of guy, uh, but it'll take a while for him. Also, I think teams might be a bit hesitant on him because he's right-handed. Cause I know for some reason, yeah. NHL teams are scared of right-handed goalies. Michael Hutchison. If that name doesn't scare you, then I don't, you haven't been watching enough Leafs games lately. Steve, Ma- Steve Mason. Steve Mason, yeah. Oh I'm, man, I'm looking at Luongo's uh, stats in junior. Were they bad oh, or good? Was I they're bad? You you you're, yeah. you're on it. I mean, they're not bad, but he had a 3.278898 save percentage, like not good. But he yeah. went 80, 85 and seventy, and then in the playoffs, listen to this. In the playoffs, he had a two seven six, a nine seventeen save percentage, and went forty and fifteen. <laughs> How do you figure that? He was in the playoffs. Val, Valdor. He played with Dominated. Valdor, right? He played Valdor. in um the oh sorry he played yeah Valdor mm-hmm. yeah they were one of those teams that I think they scored nine goals a night and he was just the goalie and they wouldn't play defense and I think that's most of Quebec actually so yeah. uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty much the Quebec yeah, he also he also played in. for Bathurst or how do you, how do we say Bathurst or... oh Acadie Bathurst yeah yeah ah see he said it French he said it the French way. Hey, I'll say it properly if you want me to. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at Patty Riley. Yeah, so Patrick was first year in the queue. If we're talking about goalies, he uh, played 54 games. He had a 6.26 goals against average. <laughs> in 50 games? 54 games. Why'd they leave him in? Um, well, he got used to it in Montreal, too, apparently. That's why they traded him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd that well, go? Where's he can't hear again? you. He's got his Stanley Cup rings plugging his ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got um, some dust up there too, aren't there? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then his next year, he had a 4.44 goals against average. And then after that, after that, it was a 5.55. Yeah, well, goaltending's changed a little bit since then. No, but then, it, then it's funny. Then he gets to the NHL's goals against average is like two every year. Yeah. <laughs> no, every that's, year. It's similar to Luongo. Luongo did kind of the same thing where his first year on the Islanders, I mean, granted he was on the Islanders. I think that's when they got bought by someone with wrong bank statements, but he had a 3.25 goals against. And then the next year on Florida, he had a 2.4. So it is weird. Goaltending is a weird thing where you can win a Stanley Cup, be out of the league 10 months later. So yeah, it yeah. is pretty strange, but yeah, it's funny. And then, funny. In his first season, in his first season, he faced ten thousand shots. Ten thousand. I know how many how many games? In fifty games. There's Jeez. no way. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. How, like, his team must have been terrible. Just look at these numbers. But anyway, that's ten, Patrick Wade. Ten thousand shots in fifty games. Yeah. That mean he faced two hundred shots a night. So I don't think that's right. I will. But yeah. It's, Wrap that up. <laughs> it sounds it sounds interesting though. I wanna I wanna watch I a game like, where a team gets two hundred shots. Yeah, I was like trying to do the math. I'm like, no, there's no way. That, there's no just, way. Oh, <laughs> just okay, guys no, parked in front of the wrong. net, just that banging rebounds all game. Yeah. That was four years of junior. That's okay, that makes more sense. Oh, that'd be, that'd be like, yeah, okay. 
Yeah, so that's, that's my that's bad. Perfect. I read I read the stat line wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, there's I, just no way. <laughs> I was wrong. I apologize to our listeners. I will admit I was wrong. It sounded good though. Like I can just yeah. picture a game where there's just four guys standing in front of the net, just banging rebounds off the pads the entire yeah. game. <laughs> That'd be good. What? Um, well, wasn't there a, a sorry, yeah, international team that like won a game like seventy to nothing or something like that in the women's hockey? Mm. Yeah, I saw well, that in the world. It happened in the World Juniors. It's everyone's favorite stat with Peter Forsberg, where he like got thirty-five right. points or whatever, but they beat Japan like nineteen to nothing, or and something. He and he had like, points yeah, that like game. sixteen, yeah. So it's like it, it does happen. I mean, that's kind of crazy that Japan. I think, yeah, I think that, it was like that's Slo- kind of crazy. It was like but, Slovakia and somebody else, and well, then it like, happens in the World Juniors every year, where one team plays Canada or Sweden or something and get outshot like seventy-three to seven, and yeah. you're just like, what are they? It was like it was like a game to get into Come the on. tournament. To, to like the international women's tournament and they won this game like 76 to nothing and then well, and then after that it was something like in the tournament they didn't score any goals <laughs> when they made right. it to the actual tournament like they were a bad team but they were significantly better than whatever team they played against mm-hmm. but yeah that's kind of that uh overall the the uh minor hockey career of patrick Wiley is not very good <laughs> We can agree on that. Um, it's kind of all that I have for this week. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Chad, before we wrap it all up? I want to talk well, about actually, Jack Edwards, but other yeah. than that, that's pretty much it. Actually, before we go to Jack Edwards, I wanted to mention one more thing about the Oilers. Brent's wearing the Oilers jersey. Remind me of that. Uh, last night was the last night they did the Colby Cave Memorial two nights ago. Um, McDavid was kind of choked up about the league scheduling that rescheduling that game on that night. Um, I would kind of agree with McDavid. Like he, like he said in his, in his quote, it wasn't an excuse, but he wasn't very pleased with the league's decision to do that because they've been scheduling this for a long time. Uh, I mean, if anybody else wants to comment on that, feel free to, but I don't think there's much to say on it. But just rest, rest in peace, Colby. And yeah. Um, McDavid's right. Yeah. I think we want to make that clear. But yeah. yeah, other than that, I don't have much else to say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now you want you mentioned Jack Edwards. You wanted to talk about Jack Edwards, Clark. Do you know who Jack Edwards is? Right. Yeah, unfortunately, so, I do. Yeah. So in our group chat last night, we were all talking. Um, we were playing around with nicknames. Oh, I was playing around with nicknames. Paul, Paul came out to say have the audacity to say that Jack Edwards is the uh, best announcer in the league or something like that. Well, that I don't he's think a good... I went that far. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to know if you're serious. Are you yeah. serious that you think he's a good broadcaster? <laughs> I find him entertaining. I don't know if he's a good broadcaster, but I find him entertaining. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there's no way, right? Like, you got to be joking. What, entertaining? Yeah. Oh, I find him entertaining. Uh, I mean, mean, he says stuff. Yeah, he (laughs) says stuff that sounds completely stupid, but it's not what he... Okay. No, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, because like, you know, I just want to make sure that that was was it. Because yeah, he's he's an idiot but he's he's crazy he's yeah yeah, he's but it's he says the stupidest thing and then tries to backtrack and you kind of you kind of get what he meant but he just says the stupidest thing the stupid stupidest possible situation that there is yeah okay no i just want to make sure you weren't serious about any of that but yeah he i mean if you look him up if you look up why is jack edwards because i just did this for research purposes (laughs) There's the whole Google page is a list of like a thousand things he said that should get him fired. And he just has, <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised by that. Like he rooted for when Sveshnikov, that whole thing, he 
said the whole thing about the sabers which like was funny but like yeah i mean the fact that there's 31 jobs for tv broadcasters in the nhl and he has one of them is pretty absurd but <laughs> he, um, i will give him he is a nice guy i met him in montreal and he stopped and talked to us for about five minutes he is a nice guy i will give him that yeah yeah i don't but, care <laughs> yeah, he, he's a piece of shit he's bad at what he does but um yeah i mean he's rooting for players to get hurt that, that's tough that's that's tough to support so i'm amazed he hasn't gotten fired yet that like kind of blows my mind that he still has a job. He must have. He must be in somewhere because I don't yeah. know. He he makes Jeremy Jacobs money with clickbait or something. And Jeremy yeah, Jacobs something. Sitting, and Jeremy Jacobs is just sitting in his corner. Oh, more money. As he shrinks the seats for fat guys can't go to his games and he's doing all those things there that they're talking about. Um, what a joke. He gets them. Anyway. He gets uh, Nesson talked about. Everybody's like, oh, that stupid Nesson guy. And everybody's like, yeah, but like, do people like even people from Boston don't really like him? Like, I'm cool with it. It goes back and forth. Like, I'm cool with people being homers. Like, Homer being a homer is fine. It's a lot more, you know, as someone who broadcasts, it's a lot more fun when your team scores. Like, obviously, it's more fun when your team wins. But like, I mean, there's there's limits to this shit. You can't just yeah, yeah, but that's pretty much all I had. If you want to have some fun, go look at that list though. He's he's objectionable human on the planet in that job so yeah now to wrap it up i'll send it to everybody who is our favorite announcer paul first uh no i gotta trade oh trade alert okay cool uh nick delorier to uh pittsburgh don't know the return yet but he's going to pittsburgh cool i guess you heard to hear first actually probably here first because this comes out tomorrow and today is you are Oh, uh, can I just build on that? Elliot Friedman just tweeted from Sportsnet. Uh, let me pull that back. There's discussions between Anaheim, Pittsburgh on Delorier, but nothing's done, which doesn't mean it's not happening. It's probably still happening, but uh, let's we'll see what happens there. He's a fourth okay. liner, though, right? Nicholas Delorier? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a, that's just a depth called, guy. Yeah, he's a fighter. Which yeah. Pittsburgh has wanted a, four, a depth fourth line guy for a while. And just so everybody knows, it is uh, the 11th of April. And the time now is 3.54 p.m. Central. So that is... So by uh, now, Hall's been traded. <laughs> I hope not. But anyway, um, just to finish, finish up the show, we'll ask who is everybody's favorite announcer in the league. Paul first. We'll just go in order of that way. So Paul first, who's your favorite broadcaster? Oh, I don't even know. There's so many. We all know it's Jack Edwards. Yeah, I mean... You can say I, that, but like I, I have, have no clue. I'm really respect for you if you do, but you could say it. Okay, mine's uh, a <laughs> mine's Pierre Hood, some guy from Montreal. RDS, I watch my games in oh, French. God. Uh, Chad, who's your favorite guy? Um, oh, either the Sharks radio guy, Dan Rusinowski, he's been with the team since the team was founded, he's done every game except for I think, I think he missed five, he got in a car accident. But he's done every single game, student of the game, cool guy, someone I got to meet and was kind of my idol growing up. Him, um, Doc Emmerich, obviously, he just in terms of like the craft is probably pound for pound the best broadcaster in the world, just with his verbiage and how good he is at what he does. And his, yeah, it's crazy the amount of different words he'll say. And the guy who I'm forgetting. He was on ESPN. Why can't I remember his name? He, uh, he, I'm going to look this up. You can come back to me. But he used to do all the playoff games. Um, 
Ah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't think what his name is. His name. Um, Yeah, but anyways, continue. Clark, who's your favorite announcer? Uh, well, there's a guy, well, the Leafs, the Leafs, uh, radio guy is Joe Bowen and he's been there forever. Um, he's maybe a bigger homer than Jack Edwards, but not as big of a douchebag, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, but I, I love his calls. Um, he's the guy, I don't know if anyone's ever heard it, but the Holy Mackinac, like that's him. Uh, so Mm -hmm. if you heard his playoff call, uh, a couple of years ago, it was like, it still brings uh, goosebumps every single time I hear it. Uh, basically, I think it was Casperi uh, Kapanen scored a goal late against Pittsburgh. And uh, he says, Casperi Kapanen, we're going to the playoffs, baby. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's my guy. Uh, so I, I'd love to see the Leafs do well just for him because uh, he's, he's like in his 70s now. He's been around forever. Uh, but Jim Houston is a guy for me. Uh, he used to be in the NHL games back in the day. Uh, he's up in uh, for the American listeners. He's a long-time Canadian, um, Sportsnet, CBC. Um, you always got the playoff games. Every big game in the last, like, 15, 20 years has usually been him. Uh, Chris Cuthbert's another guy. He was the golden goal call from the 2010 Olympics. Uh, so he's a guy that's uh, – now he's working for Sportsnet again, and it's great to hear his voice again uh, in hockey because he was with the CFL and on TSN for a really long time. Uh, but he's back in hockey now. So those, those three guys for me are kind of the ones uh, – for me growing up um those are the guys for me and brent who's your guy um i have a few but like i no one I, no one really strikes my mind as my favorite i i like a lot of i like a lot of calls like i have favorite calls from broadcasters but i don't really have a favorite broadcaster um just personally well, that's the, the guy the guy i was thinking of was gary thorne Oh, the- oh right yeah and he's coming back i think i think yeah. they're bringing him back mm-hmm. and it, then the- i don't know how old he is but i think they're bringing him back yeah brent you're a you're a dallas guy right or you're a stars fan or uh, no? a little bit um from around toronto i like toronto but okay no have you do you remember the the dallas stars analyst had the best call of all time the i, I mean it's kind of gross so i don't know if i really want to say it but the the um What's his name? Uh, Daryl Rowe? Daryl Razor Rowe? Or Ryu? I don't know. He's an analyst. I feel like I could just say it then. But it's the, like, poop through a diarrhea-infected goose call. Yeah. Yeah. You guys heard that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Unreal. It happened in, like, 2013, 2012, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, it yeah. was the guy in Dallas, and he made that call, and that was electric. But other than that, you know. But, yeah, I was not, not sure <laughs> why that was ever said. but Yeah, I don't know. that. Yeah, like, he went through – I don't, I don't think I've ever said any of those words on the radio. So to have that, no. like to have that actually come out is crazy because <laughs> you have things cross your mind where you're like, Nope, shouldn't say that. But the fact that it made it through that level. Yeah. Unreal. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Broadcasting is awesome though. So, yeah. And then I guess to add, since we're doing top threes, my end top three is, uh, like I said, Pia Hul. Um, and after that, Bob Cole, shout out to Bob Cole. I was at his last game. At, I was at his last game when he was broadcasting in Winnipeg. I just happened to, I didn't even know it was the last game. I just happened to get tickets to that game and they played it on the big screen. It was Bob Cole's last game and he got a standing ovation. I got chills of that. That was cool. The whole arena was chanting. And also, if uh, anybody's been, ever been to a Jets game, the whole True North thing, that's freaking cool. I don't, but yeah, that's the whole Winnipeg thing. Um, yeah, Bob Cole and Pia Hood are my, are my top two. And uh, the best Cole, I think, is probably Rick Jenneret. He does a lot of Ooh, nice calls. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm not a Buffalo fan, so I can't pick him in my top three. But yeah, he has a lot of good I think, calls. I think I'll get in trouble if I don't say that the host of the show that I host or that I produce, Rod Peterson, he's one of my favorite broadcasters ever, too. And he's really <laughs> great. And uh, he's one of the best junior hockey voices in all of Canada. And I have to say that. Uh, I'm not, I don't have to say that, but I'm definitely saying that. Uh, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And uh, last but not least, um, I want to let our listeners know where they can find you and all that stuff. And then we'll wrap it up from there. Uh, me? Yeah, for sure. So um, the show I produce, uh, I'm behind the scenes on it is the Rod Peterson show. Just search that anywhere. Uh, Rod's our host. Uh, we talk about pretty much everything uh, under the sun uh, every single day. So we can you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all over. Uh, the show that I host is called The Squadcast. Um, so our fan base on Rod's show is The Rod Squad. So we made a break-off spin-off show called The Squadcast, essentially. It's every Tuesday night. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well, Instagram. Uh, just search The Squadcast. Uh, there's a couple of them out there because we we definitely probably stole somebody's trademark. <laughs> but we, that's what we're called. Uh, so we're going with it. And then, uh, well, you can find me on TikTok over on uh, over on there at Producer Clark. Uh, I'm just having fun over there making hockey content and whatever else comes to mind. So uh, that's just more for fun. And, and it's been going pretty well. But uh, yeah, you can find me all over the place. So thanks for having me, guys. This has been a blast. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, we're really happy to have you. And uh, I hope all of our listeners enjoyed it. And that was our 30th episode. And again, please remember to keep donating to uh, Hall's Haven Border Collie Rescue because they appreciate it. And top the dogs. Everybody have a great week.